in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. You got the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It is Tuesday, January 31st. We are almost through this godforsaken month. This is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you, as always, from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Visit business.louisville.edu to see what UofL College of Business can do for you. We're on today from 3 to 6 on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know it better as the Big X. We've got Here's what's going on right now. We are a wounded Big X nation right now. We had, at the end of yesterday's show, I don't know if you could pick up on it. I, I was not feeling great. Trevor was feeling bad from the start. I think he said at the beginning of the show he was not feeling very good. Trevor, at the end of yesterday's show, is like ghost white. He's not talking, which is a clear indication that something's wrong. He, he's just, he, he's, he does not look like himself. He's not feeling like himself. He's not talking like himself. Right when the show ends, he sprints to the bathroom, and he is, he's, vomiting up lungs it was it was violent it was gross I felt bad for him I was a little bit worried about him did not hear from him last night I get home and like I went from just kind of being tired and zoned out to just immediately feeling like absolute crap like I get home worst headache in the world got the cold chills whole body sore I go to sleep as early as I can after the kids go down I feel god awful heart rate is off the charts headache is off the charts it's it's terrible I wake up this morning still feeling awful I sleep most of the day Finally turn a corner around like noon, get up at like 1.30. I'm doing okay. Like I'm like, eh, I might be able to do this. Trevor texts in. He's like, I'm I'm out. I'm done. So I'm the walking wounded today. I feel a little bit better now. My whole like left side is is incredibly sore every time I breathe in, which is not great for radio. But Trevor's out. TK's out today. No TK. We got intern Patrick in the house, saving the day, coming in and doing the damn thing. Because you had you had snow day today, right? Snow day. Snow day is... Means no baseball. Means I'm in here. Means he's in here. Now, how? Because snow days were, as a kid, there was nothing better. Absolutely nothing better than a snow day. How do the kids these days find out about snow days? Because it's changed over the years. Well, the this one was decided in the morning, so you kind of it was kind of one of those you you wake up not at six a.m. and oh, it was a snow day. Did you get like a text? I do they have it like on Twitter? How, how does this uh, work? My mom gets the texts. I know that. And then there is a Twitter account solely dedicated to is JCPS open or not. It's called JCPS Closings. That was big whenever the uh, the teachers were calling in sick to go protest. Ah. That's when that, that 
account really gained some traction. He, it he, used to be Tony Collins. She had the big account for for JCBS kids to follow. She was the one who like she was the the first person to break the news about snow day school out for whatever reason. I remember that being a big thing like five, six, seven years ago, and then it's it's evolved over the years. It's always changing. Yep. Uh. Uh. I kind of know about snow days first too because of Jenna. Oh, that's right. You you have, you have the inside track. Inside track. You get the inside looks. That that it, it's a little bit different for you. Now imagine this back in the day when we had to, we had to watch like local news, which is, is still a thing. We had to watch local news, the scrolling across the bottom line when they would announce they had Owen County, Oldham County, and you had to wait for Jefferson to see what was going on. And that was the that was the the way we found out. That was the only way that we found out back in the day. It was a different world. I used to always know. Because my mom, God love her, she would do this thing where my, my mom never woke me up for school. Like I had an alarm set. I got up on my own. But she would come in, and she would do this thing where it's like, it's time to get up. And when she did that, I knew she was going to do this whole thing where it's like, just kidding. It's a snow day. So she always kind of blew that. But it was fun to find out. And I feel like the, a little bit of the magic's gone these days for kids not finding out the same way that we used to. Yeah, but Jenna also gets a million texts the night before it's supposed to snow. Like, are we having school tomorrow? Are we having school tomorrow? That would suck for her. If you didn't know, uh, Jenna is is Mari Polio's daughter, the, the JCPS superintendent. Trevor uh, Patrick is he's dating large these days, and so yeah, I, I can't imagine how annoying that would be for her after a while to just be like, you guys will find out when you find out. Leave me alone. Like, I don't. She doesn't really know most of the time. It's not her call. This one they decided at four thirty, and she's getting text the night before. Well, we haven't seen intern Patrick in a while. You've been it's second semester. Baseball's coming up. How's everything going? I mean, your college decisions looming, baseball coming up, senior year looming. It's a busy time in the life of a, a young Patrick Ryan. Yeah, baseball. The first official practices start February thirteenth. So I thought it used to always be the fifteenth. It used to it used to be back in my day, which is now twenty years. ago. I feel like it always used to be February fifteenth too. Like because it last used to three be, years. Football was July fifteenth. Basketball was October fifteenth. And then baseball was was February fifteenth, and I remember because I hated off season workout stuff. I was like, "Why are we running so much? Just give me a ball. Let, let's throw. Let, let's do." We would have some winter workouts where you would go to like the old Champions facility and you'd do some baseball stuff, but for the most part, it was weightlifting and conditioning, which just sucked. And so I would just count down the days until February fifteenth where we could actually start practicing. But you're you're almost there. Two weeks away now. Yep. God, in the home stretch. Senior and then year, uh, one last ride. First game March thirteenth. So that's so early. I know. At Collins. Our first game my senior year, I remember vividly, was April 1st. And now these kids, do you guys do like a Florida trip? Uh, we always used to do a Florida trip, but the new coach likes, uh, he was at Eastern. They would go to Myrtle Beach. So we're going to Myrtle Beach on spring break. There you go. They have a lot of like, it's the Cal Ripken facility down there. They have a lot of turf fields. Because when you go down to Florida, you never know if it's going to rain or not. But they got those turf fields in South Carolina. Better than Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is where we went on my spring break, which was yeah, snowed my, out my senior year. Yeah, my sophomore year, the uh, was the COVID trip, so we di- we didn't do anything for that. Oh, well, we got things to get to today. We we're going to talk a little bit. So, like I said, I've been kind of out of commission today. I did not get to hear Danny Manning's uh, press conference today, getting ready for Georgia Tech. So I do want to play that just because I want to hear it uh, along with all of you guys. I did hear snippets of. Kenny Payne last night, his coach's show, which you could hear right here uh, on our sister station, 970 WGTK. We also have Jeff Brom rounding out his full coaching staff. Uh, we now know not just who's on the staff, but we know the designations 
you know, who's DC, who the co-DCs are, who's coaching which positions, all that good stuff. We can dive into that. And maybe most importantly of all, we got a football schedule. Football schedule out last night. The ACC Network, they do a a big TV release, which is kind of annoying because you they do like weeks at a time, so you only get one game for your team at a time. But the slow roll was kind of, what else do we have going on? It's late January. It's fine. I enjoyed it. Seeing the schedule out and kind of like breaking it down a little bit was maybe the most excited I've been about sports in like three months. I like the little flight graphics they put out. Lola did. I enjoyed the, the release. Now everybody has to have like a theme. They've got to do this weird, not weird, but you, you have to do some sort of creative schedule release video. And Like uh, Notre Dame's was bad. Notre Dame's was, was not good. That, that, that was bad. Kansas State had a really good one. I enjoyed theirs. I saw that today. But ours was ours was pretty good. I enjoyed it. But the the overall schedule coming out, if, if you haven't seen yet, we'll break it down real quick. First of all, the season opener has been set as September 2nd, which is a Saturday for a long time. Like It's been on the Chick-fil-A kickoff website. It's been set for, for a while. That's how we knew Louisville was going to play Georgia Tech. It got moved. I don't know what the rationale was, but the Cars will open their season. They'll open the Jeff Brom era on Friday, September 1st against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I like on opening weekend at least, especially when it's a road game. It's not going to affect attendance. I like the Friday night kickoff. I enjoy it. I think it's good. That weekend, you've got people are so desperate after the the, the lengthy summer, the gigantic countdown for until college football, that offseason feels like it's interminable. People are so excited for football. They're going to watch anything that's on Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, whatever. I think we get more eyeballs playing that game on Friday night against Georgia Tech. It'll be in Atlanta. It will be under the lights. I'm excited about that. Patrick, how do you feel about the the, the Friday night kickoff as opposed to a traditional Saturday kickoff? I'm real excited for it, especially uh, Jeff Brom's season opener last year, if you remember, was a Thursday night at home against Penn State. That's right. Team that ended up playing the Rose Bowl. Played him close. Probably should have beat him. Should have won. Should have won. But he, he's comfortable under those lights. I like the lights. He likes the lights. The next week, I like this one a little bit less. Short rest week. Short rest week. First home game is a Thursday night game. September 7th against Murray State. I'm fine with, with, with Thursday night games. I like Thursday night games. I'm glad that we have another one later in the season. But for the home opener, I would have liked to have had, even though it's Murray State and it's not the sexiest first game to play at LNN Federal Credit Union Stadium, I would have liked to have had traditional Saturday. Go through the whole operations, go through the whole game day experience, let the, the, the fans get out there and tailgate, let them get excited, full card march, all that. I mean, we'll have card march, but it's Thursday night games are tough. You, you get off work, you go right to the stadium, you try to get as much organized as you can, but it's a limited tailgate night. Still, I think it should be a, a festive first environment, first home environment for Jeff Brom uh, against Murray State. The next week, we'll have a nine-day layoff because the Friday-Thursday start we will play Indiana in Indianapolis. That game's still happening. We'll see about the next two years, but that's the first. I mean, it's not a road game technically, but it is. Let's be real. We have two of these games. We play Georgia Tech in Atlanta. We play Indiana in Indianapolis. They're basically road games, but they're technically in a neutral site. We'll play that game at Lucas Oil. Bloomington's pretty far from Indianapolis. It is, but still, you would assume that they're going. It's like when we played Purdue at Lucas Oil. It's, it's still in Indiana. It's the heart of the state. I kind of see it as... It doesn't feel like it's technically neutral, but I'm sure we'll have a good crowd there making the trip. We knew about those three games. We knew those were going to be the first three games of the season. What we didn't know starts in late September. First home game 
in the ACC for Jeff Brom is going to be September 23rd against Boston College. I like that. I think that you know BC beat us last year. That they, they should be okay, but not the the most difficult home ACC opener. What I don't like is once again short week, difficult opponent. Friday night, September 29th, at NC State. That's a tough one. Tough road opener in conference play. Especially tough when you've got just five days, six days to prepare. Only road game we play that's not in an NFL stadium. That's kind of wild. That is wild. A week later, at home, October 7th, Notre Dame. Got that extra day of rest for that one. A little extra day. October 14th at Pitt. Now, I feel like this is the stretch that every year when you get your football schedule, there's a stretch that jumps out at you. This is the stretch that jumps out at me. The first four games, I'm not guaranteeing victory or anything, but the first four games, Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College, I think Louisville will probably be favored. You can never say for sure. when We thought things about last season, but probably, especially if they take care of business the first two games, they're going to be favored in those first four. Things get much, much more difficult there in the heart of the schedule. At NC State versus Notre Dame at Pitt. That's a rough three-game stretch. That, that, that feels like the three-game stretch where you have the chance to go from, I don't know, a 7-5 and five season to a 9-3 and three type season or a 10-2 and two type season. Or you can go from maybe being like 8-4, and 7-5 and five to, to flirting with 6-6, six and six, depending on how that goes. I, it's a key stretch. If you win two or three, I think you feel like that's a, a big-time success. If you win one out of three, it's not the worst thing in the world. If you go 0-3, all of a sudden you're asking a lot of yourself there in, in, in the final five games. Speaking of those final five games, Louisville will get its bye week, kind of a, a late bye week, sort of like this past season, October 21st, not going to have a game. They will return to the field with a, a home game on October 28th against Duke, a Duke team that was a lot better than people thought they were going to be this past season. Certainly will not be a gimme, but you kind of feel good about it. A week later, another Saturday game at home versus Virginia Tech. Then a really short week, Thursday night game, November 9th, Back at home, three straight home games here from October 28th through November 9th. Virginia will come to town. They'll play their final road game on November 18th at Miami, and they'll wrap up the season November 25th at home, Thanksgiving weekend against Kentucky. It's We knew going in, well, I think we, you and I did, and most people listening did, but there were some people last night who were like, I can't believe we're not playing Clemson or Florida State. What the hell is this? I'm like, well, that's we knew that. We, we knew going in who the opponents were going to be. The way that it shakes out, the way that it shapes up, I like the schedule. I'm not saying anything definitive because, look, it's it's January. Especially when you're talking about those middle-of-the-pack ACC teams, you're never sure who's going to overachieve and become like Duke was last year. Or like we thought Syracuse was at the beginning of the season. You know, we thought they were going—we thought Syracuse and Duke were going to be the two worst teams in the ACC last year. And I don't mean just us— Everybody who made predictions about the ACC had those two teams at the bottom of their power rankings, and they both wound up being pretty good. I mean, Duke wound up being really good. Syracuse bottomed out a little bit in the second half, but still was better than people thought they were going to be. So trying to analyze like the middle-of-the-pack conference games it feels like a fool's errand, but if we're going to try and do it anyway, I, I kind of like the schedule. I, I, at NC State, is tough. Notre Dame at home, Notre Dame's going to be good. I still think that environment has the chance to be. I mean, imagine that we start off five and zero, and then a top fifteen, top ten Notre Dame team comes to your place. Jeff Brom's got the fan base galvanized. It's a big event for the first time in forever. That would be ugh, goosebumps thinking about it. At Pitt will be tough. 
Pitt always plays us tough. They're going to be good again this year. They're supposed to be good again this year, especially after two big-time games the, the previous two weeks. That'll be tough. The end of the, of the season schedule also kind of, I mean, you never know what you're going to get from Virginia Tech. You never really know, is Virginia going to bounce back after being you know, so down this year? Are they finally going to buy into the new culture? Is that going to start setting in? And then at Miami at the end of the year, say what you will about Miami underachieving. They've had our number the last couple of times we've played them. They've beaten us badly. They've got a lot of talent. Hopefully they'll be so far you know, late in the year that they will have already checked out. This is what Miami tends to do. They lose a couple of games. They kind of give up on the season. And then Kentucky is Kentucky. We know what they've done to us recently. Do I expect it to be closer? Of course. I think you know Jeff will, will have the team ready in a way that, that Scott Satterfield couldn't get done. But they're still a team that has dominated us the last four times they've played. We'll have to make up a lot of ground if we're going to actually win that game. Patrick, your quick thoughts on, on this uh, this 12-game slate to kick off the Jeff Brom era here at Louisville. Feels like 12-0. <laughs> the ghost of Trevor Kelsey. Trevor's not here today, but uh, he's here in spirit through intern Patrick. 12-0 would be nice. 12-0 would be nice. I do like that everybody looks at the schedule and initially is like, I'm thinking 8-4. and four. I'm thinking 9-3. and three. I'm thinking 10. Like, we, we don't know. We, we don't know anything about these teams. There's still there's some transfer stuff to shake out. We don't know how good anybody's going to be. It's tough to, to say in January, let alone it's tough to say in August when you get closer to the season. But as of right now, I feel like for Jeff Brom's first season, if you're trying to set a bar, you should be going to a bowl game. And I feel like with this schedule and what we do have or what we think we have on this roster right now, seven wins kind of feels like the expectation now, which I think is an understandable expectation for year one here. How do you feel about the ACC rotating schedule? I kind of, and again, we haven't experienced it yet. So it's... Who are our three constant opponents? It's Georgia Tech, Miami, and who else? Virginia, I believe. Yeah. Um, I kind of like it. I don't, I don't like that Clemson doesn't have to come here until 2026. I don't like that either. We, we do play them in 2024, but we play yeah. them then there. And that's one of those quirky scheduling deals that I think is, is partially done because COVID had them playing three consecutive games here. And then, you know, we didn't go there from between 2018 and this past season. We, you know, we're supposed to play there every other year. We went four full years without going there. So now they're kind of trying to recycle that. I do kind of. There's a part of me that will miss having Clemson and Florida State on the schedule every single year. But at the same time, Clemson was an automatic loss for us, basically. We have not beaten them. Florida State was, you, you had more of a give and a take there. We, we certainly had our fair share of success against them. And they're just games that you get up for, more than that. Like big time names on the schedule. I do think that it, I, I like the way that it shakes out here, just because if you're Jeff Brom, you're trying to get some momentum right off the bat. This seems like a favorable conference schedule to avoid those two teams, especially in a year where Florida State is expected to be as strong as it's been in a long time. I don't hate missing them. And, and you know, if you want to play one of them, hey, play in the ACC title game. Let's make that happen. But the rotating schedules, I liked it. I liked the one big conference. I liked the, the no divisions when we did it during the COVID season. I thought it worked out kind of well. It also feels like it's more, it's more exciting in a way. Like we knew going in every every single year since we joined the conference, basically it was Florida State the first couple of years, and then since 2016 it's been Clemson. Like if you lost one game, you were kind of screwed in the conference race. Like when we lost to Clemson in 2016, we knew they were going to have to lose twice for us to win the division and play in the conference title game, and that probably wasn't going to happen. Now I think you can have this, you know, you can like hope for teams to fall. You can try to get in that top two. I think that'll be. 
kind of an exciting deal. I think looking at those standings, seeing who may lose, seeing who may climb up is is going to be fun. I don't know. I, 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 I reserve the right to change my opinion three or four years down the line, but for right now, I kind of like it. What's your thought? Me too. I do like it. I wish we had a little bit more competition every year uh, with the three constant opponents, but hopefully Miami can get up a little bit and that'll be that'll take care of that. Yeah, I don't I don't hate the the rotating opponents that we had. I I mean, Trevor wanted Trevor wanted Florida State, Miami, and Clemson as our three constant opponents. I'm like, you have to have winning games is fun. Like I, I know that winning games over the best opponents is fun, but you've got to take into account the fact that you're not going to beat Clemson every year. It's fun to play them, but getting Georgia Tech, who has been, I mean, super up and down. Like They have their moments where they've been good since we joined the conference. They've probably been more down than up since we joined the league. Miami is, like, that's a name. It doesn't matter if they're 6-5 and five when you play them in, or 6-4 and four at the end of the season when you play them. Like, you're going to get up for that game just because it's the U. And then Virginia, we've, they've, they've forced this rivalry upon us since we joined the conference anyway. So, I guess why not? And they've had some decent teams, but that's a game. I think you feel like in most years, if Jeff Brom gets this thing rolling, you feel like you should be better than Georgia Tech and Virginia most years. You should be favored in those games, regardless of where they're played. And then Miami, we'll see. I don't hate it. I mean, again, like I like winning games. I want to get as many wins as possible. I want to have a chance to hopefully play for a conference championship at some point. So not the worst thing in the world for me. I don't mind the road sitting opponents. By the way, if you've got thoughts today, and you want to hit us up on the Thornton Sex Line, you can do so by texting 502-414-1450. While you're at it, download the Refreshing Rewards app. It's going to save you money every time you need to fuel up at the pump, every time you need to go inside and enjoy a delicious Thornton Street. And for a limited time, they are hooking up new Refreshing Rewards members with a free breakfast sandwich and a free drink just for becoming a new Refreshing Rewards member. So enjoy that uh, sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Enjoy that coffee. Enjoy that tea. And then give us a text at 502 414 1450. The other big news of the day coming out of the world of uh, U of a football is Jeff Brom rounding out his coaching staff, naming Mark Hagan as the defensive line coach. This now sets it, it now sets the, 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 it sets the entire staff, but we now know who's handling what roles on the defensive staff because up until this point, everyone has just been announced as a defensive assistant, but now we know that you're going to have basically the same setup that, that Brom and company had at Purdue which was Ron English and Hagan are going to serve as the co-defensive coordinators. English will handle the defensive play-calling duties. It's the same same as they did at Purdue. The quote from Jeff Brom about the setup on the defensive staff was this. We believe in a collaborative approach to both our offensive and defensive staffs where everyone has input and their contribution is valued. Ron and Mark have demonstrated a great ability to work together to put our players in the best position to succeed. We are excited to have them both in positions of leadership for our defense. Brom also said this about Higgins, who, who's a veteran with over 30 years of collegiate coaching experience. I'm thrilled to have someone with Coach Higgins' experience join our staff. He's an innovative veteran coach that will bring a wealth of knowledge to our football program. Mark is a passionate and detail-oriented defensive line technician who consistently finds ways to maximize his personnel. So, English will, in addition to his co-defensive coordinator job, Ron English is going to coach the secondary. Mark Ivey will coach the linebackers. Carl Maslowski will coach the special teams and will also serve as an assistant to the linebackers. And then uh, Ryan Wallace will also, who, Ryan Wallace, who's the, the tight ends coach, will also have the additional role of special teams assistant. So we went from no special teams coaches to two special teams coaches. These special teams are going to be fantastic. 
they're going to be special. We lost Mark Vassett. That's okay. We've got the who's the kid? We have a punter from Trinity now. Carter Schwartz is his name. He was committed to Kentucky for a while. Decommitted. Committed to Louisville. You're hip to the local high school scene. You you followed high school football here. I'm assuming this kid can can kick it. Uh, can't say I went to any Trinity games this year. But you hear what? What's the buzz through the local high school grapevine? The buzz is he's got a boot. Are the kids saying he's got a boot? That's all I wanted to hear. Kids are saying he's got a boot. That's all I wanted to know. Uh, and we're gonna miss Vassett, but we needed, we needed, we needed a replacement. We're gonna be good. Um, and we bring back. I don't know. I mean, we're losing a lot from special teams now that I think about it. We need some. We're gonna need some guys. We're gonna need. We're gonna need this coaching staff to really step up. How do you feel, Patrick? How do you feel, text line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty, about the setup with the co-defensive coordinators? We've d- we've done this a few times with our previous staffs. We've had the co-defensive coordinator. We had the co-offensive coordinator thing as well. But Purdue, look, not awful defensively. Most years the problem was there. Not spectacular either. I think this is the one concern that Louisville fans have had with bringing Jeff Brom in. If there is a big concern, was the defensive play. Patrick, ease the nerves of the fan base listening. You've, you've followed Purdue very closely in recent years. Is this setup going to work for us here? I think it works pretty well. The uh, And I think you just see the middle-of-the-pack defensive numbers where Jeff Brom's been because he's scoring so many points. The defense is on the field a lot. They're naturally going to maybe give up a few more points than they would if Jeff Brom ran the ball more and controlled the game more. I think... Their defense always plays pretty solid. You're saying the juice is worth a squeeze. You may give up a little bit because, hey, Brom's going to take some chances. That could lead to some exciting plays, but it also could lead to some quick three and outs. That's going to leave the defensive unit unrested. Maybe they give up more points than usual, but the give is worth the take. Yeah. Okay, I like And there, uh, there was a defensive lineman, Purdue draft, first-round draft pick, just, just got a sack in the AFC Conference Championship on Sunday, George Karlaftis. Okay. All right, I like that. Mark Hagan product. I also like, speaking of, we mentioned the Trinity punter, Brom's kind of cleaning up with the, the hometown kids that are, are coming in as, as walk-ons. Um, got, got two in the last two days, walk-ons. They got the the big kid from DeSales, which I think is his official name, uh, James Tyson, who's very, very large. I remember hearing about him this season, people talking about just how large he was. The, the kid from St. X I hear is actually really good. I, I know that he was... A lot of people on that staff around that that program thought that it was a crying shame that he wasn't getting big time FBS offers coming out of high school. Jackson uh, Panner Panarello. Panarello. Okay. There's an I in there somewhere, but I don't think it's really pronounced. I think he's one of those kids, just based on what I hear, that will wind up seeing the field at Louisville sometime down the line. We've had a lot of success with players that come to Louisville from local high schools as walk-ons, wind up earning scholarships. I mean, you know, you've got. Just on defense this past year, Mason Ryger, um, Ramon Perrier was from Eastern. The, the biggest Marshawn Ford is, is the most obvious example coming from Bowers as a walk-on then becoming our leading receiver uh, a couple of times in his UofL career. I like that this is – that was one thing that I thought Scott Satterfield did well. He didn't lock up this area the way that Jeff Brom is doing when it comes to scholarship players, but he would take local kids as preferred walk-ons. He would give them an opportunity to see the field, and now it seems like Jeff Brom is going to do the same thing. Love seeing all these local kids uh, add to the fold. I mean, think about it. When Louisville football has been at its best, there's always been a local kid or two at or near the center of what's been going on. The center has always been local kids and South Florida kids. Yeah. 
And now we're doing local kids and the best players from California and the rest of the country because that's who we are now. That's what we do. But love seeing Jeff Brom recruit this area so well. Love seeing all these local kids sign up. We're going to have – what's the word on – Wu Spencer is going to announce his commitment at 630 at Aspirations Gym. Uh, he is down to Louisville, Kentucky, and Michigan State, I believe. He – Am I wrong that he's, he was at Mail at one point, and then is at New Albany now? Yep, went from Mail to New Albany. What's the buzz there? I think UK fans seem confident they're going to get him. I am confident we're going to get him. I like so. that confidence. I, I like that confidence. 6.30 is that announcement. I saw Chris Vaughn putting it out there. And if you do, let's say that we do land Wu Spencer. It kind of feels like a changing of the guard with the aspirations, Jim. And this is something we talked about on the show before. For whatever reason, there was a divide between Chris Vaughn, who trained a lot of the best athletes in the city for the last five, six, seven years, and the UofL program. It started when Petrino was there, and Vaughn had played for Petrino in his first go-round. I don't know if that was at the, the genesis of this, but there was something going on there. Vaughn developed a relationship with Kentucky, and a lot of these kids that came out of that gym either wound up going to Kentucky or wound up going to places besides Louisville, despite a lot of those kids growing up as Louisville fans. I mean, you recently you had Jordan Watkins. He was the exception. He was an aspirations kid who went to Louisville. He immediately transfers as a freshman. He says all sorts of disparaging things about Louisville. The the aspirations kids, they're all like, thank God you got out of there, all this stuff. But there has been... Yeah, Keontae Goodwin, Carrington Valentine, J.J. Weaver, all were at Kentucky last year. Carrington Valentine just declared for the draft. Weaver's going back to UK, and Goodwin transferred to... Uh, Florida. Florida, thank you. But there has been... and. I'm not breaking news here. Vaughn has gone on Lexington radio shows to talk about this. There has been plenty of buzz that the, that cozy relationship between Vaughn and Aspirations and UK, there's been something of a divide there. Something something has happened. I don't know if it's kids not getting what they were promised. I don't know if it's kids just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. But there has been something that has happened that has led to that relationship being not so cozy anymore. And if Spencer does commit to Louisville, I think it could be a, a floodgate type situation. I think it could be a sign of things to come and Louisville could get back to finally recruiting this area, at least the city, better than UK, which has been one of the most annoying things about the last five, six years. You mentioned J.J. Weaver. Weaver grows up as a diehard UofL fan. He's like a Louisville fan when he's becoming a star in high school and he still winds up going to Kentucky and he could have really helped us. So those types of players, if you're able to get them back into the fold, that would be a very, very I think important Early win for Jeff Brom. Set the tone. Yeah, that there was that one O-lineman, Hayes Johnson, that I think is an aspirations athlete that just committed to Kentucky, but he's from out in the state somewhere, so it's null and void. Doesn't matter. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we can hear from you guys on the Thornton Sex Line. I also do want to hear from Danny Manning today, his press conference, getting ready for Georgia Tech. All that and more coming your way after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X.
talking about during the break. You can tell Trevor's really sick because he's not like trying to micromanage you as you produce the show. He's not constantly texting in, constantly letting you know about music. He's just he's home. He's not feeling well. He's not doing great. I don't think he would have played ASAP Rocky sitting on the dock of the bay. That's on him. I enjoy ASAP Rocky. I enjoy sitting on the dock of the bay. It's a great song. Uh, Patrick, do you have any idea where the name Hot Dogs came from? No. They're hot. I know that. Usually. Ideally, they're hot. They're served hot. You got half of it right. That, that's The hot part, nailed it. The dog part, you don't have, you don't have a guess. No, I don't. Despite originating in Germany, hot dogs are an essential American food. An estimated 7 billion hot dogs are served up each summer in the U.S. alone. Where did the name come from? Some food historians believe that early songs and jokes gave the wieners their name, suggesting that sausage meat came from dogs. But a more likely story is that German butchers named early American Frankfurters dachshund sausages after the long and skinny dogs they resembled, which eventually was shortened to hot dogs. So there you go. The hot part, you nailed it. They're hot. Pretty self-explanatory. The dogs part, they look like dachshunds. Long and skinny. There you go. There's your need-to-know information for today. It just I get an interesting facts email every day. I rarely look at it. I looked at it today. Do you want to hear another interesting fact? I would love to hear another. Int- I, I love interesting facts. The thing one, is, one, that's an interesting fact about me. Some, I love interesting facts. Some of these, like they, they hook you in. Like they're like, oh, like the, the seven strangest history coincidences. I'm like, I got I to gotta click on this. I got to find this. Seven. But then the other ones, it's like five things you might not know about the Atacama Desert. I'm like, oh, no, that's not, it's not a good one today. Seven facts you might not know about Franklin D. Roosevelt. I'm like, oh, well. I'm like, we're not going to get into that today. What we can get into, I, I should have mentioned this at the start of the show, especially on a day like today where I've been sleeping for the last 14 hours pretty much, off the grid, basically since like 10 o'clock last night. Trevor's not here. Trevor's been, he's sick, extremely sick. Big X is going down. Everybody's just dying. It's awful. It's Taboo Tuesday. We had Weird Wednesday during football season because it was the perfect day to get weird, but now we got Taboo Tuesdays. We're reacting to basketball on Monday. We're talking about basketball a little bit on Wednesday and Thursday. But Tuesday, we can get weird. And let's be real. We're trying to distract ourselves from basketball anyway. The, the less basketball talk, the better at this point because it just devolves every single day into the same bickering and the same talking points. And so if you have anything that you like to have answered on today's show, it doesn't have to be sports-related. It'd be great if it is. If you've got a UofL thought, a life thought, a whatever thought, Text in your questions, your topic ideas, or whatever to 502-414-1450. This is the Thornton Sex Line. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, 502-414-1450. Let's take uh, some text here from the first segment there. Texture says, Jefferson County, Indiana, being out on the scroll would be a huge tease if you weren't paying close attention. I do remember those days back when you were watching the scroll. It would be like, Jefferson County, closed. And then it would be like, Indiana in parentheses. I also hated all the counties that were always out. Like They would read them on the radio when I was going into school, which was just a absolute kick in the groin. You're like, they're reading the schools that are out as you drive into school. And Owen County, I swear to God, was out every single day. Anytime that there was a, a, a raindrop in December, January, or February, Owen County wasn't going to go to school. And it just, it, it drove me nuts. But you would, the, the Jefferson County, Indiana tease was a bad one. Two hour delays are the best, if you ask me. Better than getting out of school for the entire day? Uh, it Depends if there's going to be a lot of, because if there's like supposed to be a, like a long, consistent snowstorm nowadays, they'll put you on NTI. They'll tell you you're oh, really? doing online school. Well, that's I think so. That's not, I mean, but today you were off. Today we're off completely. Completely. I feel like JCPS and, and the Catholic schools were just looking for a snow day. They hadn't had one yet. 
Like last night, we Mar- had all the snow during winter break. Yeah, which is no fun. Like last night, Mary's like, I bet they're not gonna have school tomorrow. I bet they're just they're they're itching for an excuse to just have the snow day. I'm like, I think you're right. I think they wanted it last week, and then there was just not a single snow. Nothing, nothing. But and today was was fine. I mean, a little bit of ice in the car, but I mean, we had like our babysitter came over. Same time. She had no problem getting out of here. I did forget to scrape the car. I was running a little bit late getting out of here because I've been just trying to get myself together after sleeping all day. And I forgot to scrape the car off. And so it was like a panic scrape where like you scrape like half of the front windshield and then you're just like getting the car and then you realize you can't look out the right side. It was it's a dangerous drive in, but thankfully it's only like five minutes away. It was okay. But the roads were fine. The roads were they also were more prepared this go around. Like they iced our they our roads were were salted. When I was coming into radio yesterday, like they didn't salt early on, on Christmas Eve during that terrible ice storm. So it was like when they did salt, it didn't matter. You had the layer of ice on the bottom and then the snow and then more ice. And this time they were like, well, we're not going to screw up. So you guys probably could have gone to school today. The excuse they always use is always like, oh, there's neighborhood roads out. You, you just aren't seeing the roads that are icy. Which I love. I love those people who live in you know the backwoods. I've got a, a mile long road to get out of my house and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, th- those are the best. Those, those people... They're the ones that are keeping us home from school. We love you guys. Last year, we had two days where it was like there was an early dismissal. Like it was supposed to snow during the day, and they like let us out at 11 twice last year. I did. I I really did love the delayed starts because I mean, we would have, at Trinity, we would have some delayed starts like just that were set in. Like if you had like a faculty meeting, we'd start at 9 o'clock. And it they, was amazing how that one extra hour of sleep would just I, I was just a different person. It was great. Trinity, they have like a nine o'clock start every Wednesday. Do they really? And like I think I, you, on that. I think they get out at w- like one thirty every Friday. These kids, these kids these days. I do remember my senior year we had like seventeen snow days. We had we had a ton. I remember like we had baseball practice on a day. Speaking of starting in February fifteenth, I guess it was technically still tryouts. Like we had a, a a practice or a tryout on a day where we were off school. Like that's how like our coaches were like it's fine out there, and they yeah. announced while we were there they they'd cancel school for the next day too. I was like, yeah. this is great. Pu- public like, schools aren't allowed to do any of that; they have to cancel everything. I don't think technically we were allowed to either. Yeah, Saint X Cal ba- basketball game still going on tonight. I think it's on the Big X. Pretty sure. Oh, nice. X is rolling. I know that. Uh, Texter says, "Hey guys, so Mike is pro Jake Jarmel and anti Elaine. Got it. Speaking of Seinfeld." I know he doesn't look like him, but I always picture Trevor as Franklin Delano Romanowski. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, I'm not pro-Jake. Jar- I'm not anti-Elaine. I love Elaine, the sniffing accountant. I'm an Elaine fan. By the way, I'm watching Veep, and she's so good in that. Isn't Christian Bale in that? I don't think so. No, that's Vice. Never mind. Yeah, not yet. Text that I heard Braden Smith enter the transfer portal, but I thought the portal was closed. Is it a new period? I think they're just... You you they're just saying like we're gonna I'm gonna enter my name next go around. Yeah, I think that I guess that's what hap- has to happen because the way that it was phrased when it was out there was he's entered the transfer portal, but the portal's closed. It reminds me a little bit of like the trade deadline where it's like there's still trades happening after the deadline. I thought this was a deadline, but I think the next window it's like two weeks in May. It's like May first through fifteenth or something. I think. So he's announcing his intention to enter the transfer portal when it opens. I guess. This is a new world. It, I He's probably still enrolled at Louisville for the second semester, though, right? You'd have to. Now, yeah, I would guess so. And that kind of sucks for him because he'll miss spring practice at another place. I mean, my assumption with Braden has been he saw all the new wide receivers that were being brought in 
by Jeff Brom, both transfers and, and recruiting class. He should have seen all of Jeff Brom's trick plays. He should have. No, and he has a cannon. He can throw the ball. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what the the reasoning is. I guess he was worried about playing time, but he's he's out of here. He's, But I'm like you. He's clearly already enrolled at UofL for the second semester. He's going to have to take classes here. He can't commit to another program right now. He's not going to be able to partake in spring practice. Can another program even talk to him legally? I think legally, no, but I'm sure they are. Yeah. But this the, the timing sucks for him, but best of luck to Braden wherever he chooses to go. I did see, like, uh, Aiden Robbins is tweeting out BYU schedule. I'd forgotten they're making the move to the Big 12 this year. Like, I, I'd kind of forgotten that they're— All the Big 12 editions are this year, right? Yeah. They got, like, four— yeah, it's a loaded conference. I mean, loaded in terms of total numbers, but it was weird seeing a BYU schedule where they're playing like West Virginia and Cincinnati in, in conference games, but that's brave new world. Texture says, this basketball season has been very painful, P-A-Y-N-E. Thank you. Texture says, I like having sexier records and playing in more important games at the end of the year. I So, so this is maybe my least popular take. I totally am fine with the way that Mark Stoops schedules non-conference games because winning games is fun and having the most wins. I, I, I get that it's not as exciting when you're gearing up to tailgate for Murray State as it is to you know tailgate for, I don't know, Auburn or, or whoever we would play in a non-conference game. But he has three non-conference games where he could, he could play a decent team. He could, but he doesn't. And... At the end of the day, all UK fans do is go back and quote their overall win record. And that's all that most fans remember. If you beat Murray State in place of playing, I don't know, Oregon State, you could have lost to them. You don't go back and you say, well, we were 9-3, and but we played Murray State and Indiana and another nobody in the non-conference. You say we were 9-3. and Like, I think that it's, I think that it's smart. And especially in this new day and age where the playoff is expanding you want to have a shot at getting them there. I like, like the texture said, I like kind of easing into things a little bit because, like, with college football, the sample size is so small. If you have a loss in week two, it can crush you. It, it, it can crush your your long term dreams. It, it can crush your your big picture dreams. But if you're getting it going at the end of the year, play the bigger games then. Play the bigger games when you've already. I mean. We saw how many teams did we see last year from the ACC just completely suck in the first couple of weeks against no-name opponents. If they played, like NC State almost lost to whoever it was in week one. Eastern Carolina. Somebody almost lost to Eastern Carolina. North Carolina almost lost to App State. North That's Carolina almost lost to App State, but NC State also, remember they, they, whoever they were playing had like a missed extra point. It was somebody terrible. If they played anybody with a pulse, they lose that game. And that's a, a season crusher for them. Instead, they spent a lot of time in the, in the top 25. If they hadn't gotten hurt, they probably could have been a top 25 team at the end of the year. Like I just, it was East Carolina. It was East Carolina that almost mm-hmm. should have beat them. Yeah, I mean they they should have they should have lost that game, and if they, you know, if if they played a better team, they probably do lose that game. I just I, I like kind of getting your feet underneath you. It's not like basketball where you can play Duke on night one, and if you lose by thirty, it doesn't really matter. It's not great for you, but if you're playing the best basketball, if you're playing your best at the end of the season, you still have a chance to play until you lose. With football. Every game kind of counts the same. It's just I, I like having the the easier games at the beginning of the year. Texture says I'll take Jeff's double D over Seth's single D. Thank you. Texas, the last few days have been trending toward us when it comes to Woo Spencer. I like that. I do see 
Dave Lackford changed his his pick from Kentucky to, to Louisville. Uh, Woody Womack changed his pick from Kentucky to Louisville and just said things change as his rationale for why. I like that. So we once again, I mean, can we not schedule the press conference for five thirty? Can we not have gotten him like on the every big commit? This is my biggest problem with the Jeff Brom era so far. Is every time we have a big time announcement, it happens at six or six thirty. Right when we're off the air. Plummer was at like 6.03. Plummer was literally, and then the next day after we, we complained about it, somebody else did the same thing at like 6.01. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Texas local guys always seem to make an impact here. Bush, Brom, Arudia, Sergio Spencer, Jawan Spillman, Earl Heyman, George Bussey, the list goes on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, even dating back to like the, the Schnellenberger, you know, both Brahms. We've, we have been a program that has relied heavily on the talent of local guys. I mean, Jamon Brown recently was a, a big-time performer for us coming out of uh, Fern Creek High School. Um, I mean, we've just, it, it's, whenever we've been at our best, there's been a local guy at or near that success, at or near the center of that success. And I like, I think Jeff's going to bring that back because we've, I mean, we've had local guys in recent years with Satterfield, but they were all the guys that kind of went from walk-ons to scholarship guys to contributors, like Marshawn Ford. I want to get back to having those types of players, but also the big-time scholarship players. If there's a four-star recruit in this area, I want him to go to Louisville because we're the superior program. It was that way for a long time. I mean, hell, there was a point there where we were getting all the guys here locally in Louisville and also going out there and getting some of the best players from the out in the state that grew up as UK fans. And instead, the last five, six years, I mean, maybe even more than that because Petrino just neglected the local high school scene, we've not gotten any of the, the players from out in the state, and we've not been getting any of the players here locally. I mean, we missed, was it four years ago, the 2018 class had, it, it was the highest ranked recruiting class in the history of Kentucky high school football. And we got none of the players that were ranked in the top 10. We got number 11, who's Aiden Robbins, but we got none of the players who were in the top 10. I think seven of them went to Kentucky. And that's inexcusable. I, I get that you want to go get players from out in the rest of the country. You want to recruit the South. You want to recruit the West Coast now. But, if there's a kid that can play at your program who could play just about anywhere, you can't let him go to to Michigan State. You can't let him go to Purdue. You can't let him go to Ohio State if he grew up as a Louisville fan. You've got to keep the, that type of talent home, and I'm glad that we're getting back to that. Texter says, this is a KFC text. We're going to read it anyway. If you text him during the show, we're going to read it. Scoots has the public school system in Indiana. A person I know that lives in Indiana said you couldn't tell a difference from the public schools and the private schools which is clearly not the case in Jefferson County. The public schools in Indiana are pretty. Are they good? Very nice. Well, you're a public school kid in Kentucky. I know. Don't you but I got a manual. Which is kind of a public school. It's let's be real. Yeah. It's but, kind of. It's kind of a public school. But Floyd Central, because that's where Dugan graduated from. Uh-huh. We uh we've gone up there for a few basketball games over the years, and it's so much nicer than any public school here. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was, they were living the life over there. Well, yeah. What are you going to do? Texas Owen County, always spelled on the radio, O-W-E-N, to differentiate between all Oh, yeah. Like, the, like I still remember the cadence. Owen County, O-W-E-N, is closed. Old, and they would always, like, it, it was, the, the, the morning DJs here that would read the school closings, it was like the original American Idol. They would always pause for effect. Like, Oldham County... You are open. It's like Jefferson County Catholic schools operating on a one-hour delay. And then it was just like they enjoyed it way too much. They knew that we were all hanging on every word that they had. And it was, it was obnoxious. But 
Nowadays, it's just a text. It's a different world. Texas Marion County was always closed. I was at Meade County, and Marion was always right before us and was always closed. Marion County, did, they were another one that I always noticed. It was just the worst feeling in the world. Going into school. Is Springfield in Marion County? Springfield's right next to Marion County. Okay. It's in Washington County. Okay. That's their big rival. Big rival. Big Washington County and Marion County, big rivals. Washington County basketball is kind of balling this year. They made the uh, All-A quarterfinals. I think, did Evangel win the All-A? Evangel did win the All-A. I saw because they were supposed to play in the semifinals. And I was like, you know, I, I kind of work for the Evangel people. And I saw that they won their quarterfinal game by like 90 points. And I was like, this may not go well for Washington County if they play. First Louisville school to ever win the All-A. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, props to, props to Evangel. They're... Yep. Because they're a six-region team, I think. Yes. And I think they're kind of one of the favorites to win the six. Yeah, one of, probably one of the three best teams in the sixth. Yeah, so. With four, uh, standout player, former manual standout, Christian Doer. How'd you guys let him get away? Uh, <laughs> he's just a just a religious guy. Just loves Evangel. Loves the Christianity. Wanted to follow his faith. There you go. It says, imagine living in Oldham County and always hearing, uh, because a lot of that was on the radio back then, Owen County closed. O W E N. Now that was kicking the groin. I love that everybody else remembers this too, because this it, I, I have vivid memories. I also remember, for some reason, like they would have like the daycare centers. I guess there's no other. Way, there was no other way to get it back out there, but you would have like Jefferson County in an, a massive school system. Their update would come right after like the lads and lassies preschool <laughs> update, and I'm like, this is gonna be like 20 kids that are, are listening for the lads and lassies preschool update. Which I also thought was the funniest name for a, a daycare of all time. When my mom opened her daycare, she wanted to name it Buttons and Bows, but they couldn't for some reason. It was Bluegrass Academy. I remember Bluegrass Academy. That was Kim. Texas, the main reason for school cancellations at JCBS is not the roads. It's the school parking lots not being cleared. I'll talk to Marty about that. <laughs> Texas says uh, Braden Smith entered the transfer portal before it closed. For whatever reason, it just came out yesterday. Oh. Well, that changes things. Fair enough. Still, I mean, can you enroll at school in like February? Like, like I don't know how that's gonna work. He clearly has to be taking classes at U of L. I, I, I mean, I guess not. I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't it, know how anything works anymore. It's all a mystery to me. It's all a mystery. Texas is the fact that Braden Smith uh, will be a graduate transfer make a difference. I, maybe I have no idea. I don't, the, the rules are they're all fluid at this point. It's yeah. Who knows? Texas says uh, NC State played ECU. UVA also should have lost to Old Dominion. That's right. Yeah, ACC had a rough opening week. Like, I think we only had one loss as a conference, but we should have had like six. It was it was a a weird opening week. But North Carolina did they play? They played that game in Boone against App State, they did. didn't they? They did. It was the, that was that crazy. I don't know why you would do that. Error in judgment for sure. Texas Louisville guys outside of J.J. Weaver, who's okay, have been bust at UK. They kind of have for the most part, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Like, Carrington Valentine just entered the draft. He's he probably going to be like a third or fourth round pick, I he think. He's kind of a beast. But, like, Goodwin, who I guess technically is a Louisville kid, even though he didn't really ever play in high school football here. He went. He started at Holy Cross, then Ballard, then Charleston. Yeah, and he never... I don't, I don't think he ever suited up for Ballard. But he... Didn't play at all for them this past year. Played very sparingly and transferred. I'm trying to think of other Louisville kids who went there who were highly touted who wound up not doing much. But Weaver definitely was good. But besides him, yeah, it, it seems like they've kind of all not. I was just looking at the ACC scores from week one, and Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech week one. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, 
Don't schedule. That's right, because they played at because that, that at Old Dominion. We had that whole that, that whole schedule that that whole talking point where it was like ACC schools keep scheduling road games against group of five teams, and they've lost like the ACC has lost more games against group of five teams over the past ten years than the SEC has played against group of five teams. And week is, two, week two, North Carolina played a one possession game against Georgia State at Georgia State. Stop playing those games. And I think we you know, we had the James Madison game looming, which was seemed silly and, and was scary for a solid half, but then we took care of business. Texas Brian Brom is straight like no no Jeff. Rutherford show ends at six. Have them announce at six oh three. Probably. I don't put anything past that son of a like he's I don't I don't, I don't doubt it at all. It's a rival. We are rivals. Texas has Jeff Brom hired a strength coach yet. I believe it's Dominic Reno. Where's he coming from? Purdue. Okay. So he's keeping the Purdue strength coach on. There you go. Texas, I still miss the music on, I think, WHAS 11 as the closings rolled across the screen. Oh, there was a whole culture to this whole thing. Like you had you had Snow Fox and WDRB, which I guess they still have Snow Fox. I do think they still have Snow Fox. But it was a much bigger deal, like, back then. They, everyone had their own way of finding out. It was, like, it was huge. And now it's all just, you know, it's all only on the internet. Texas says Jason Hatcher was more off the field than on the field issues. Didn't he go to USC originally or transfer there? Who's that person? He played at Trinity. He was a big-time recruit. Okay. He ended up not, I mean, he don't, didn't do much. Texas said, I think the snow music closing, the, the snow closing music is called Balavia. Hatcher went from USC to UK, yeah. And he didn't didn't end up doing much. But he was the, if you remember him from a Louisville standpoint, he played at Trinity, and he and James Quick got in trouble together for being in a dorm that had weed and scales and a bunch of stuff and it didn't go well for really hatcher after that let's take a break when we come back we've got uh danny manning's press conference he talked about georgia tech he's on the scout for tomorrow's game can the cards pick up a victory against a a tech team that is almost as bad as they are uh we'll hear from danny manning after the break and we'll talk a little hoops it's the mike rutherford show rolling on next year on 1450 and 961 the big x Make those rainbows in my mind when I think of you sometime, and I want to spend some time with you. Just the two of us, we can make it if we try. Do you remember? You, I mean, you, you don't remember. You're, you're too young. Will Smith did a version of this with his him and his son, and it was just like, it was. I appreciated the sentiment, but it was extremely cringy. He's like, "Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you." It was just, it was not, it was not good. It was not, it was not good. But whatever. I don't remember that. No, <laughs> you don't. It was like I think it was right around the time that you were being born, so probably not. Jaden Smith's not that much older than me. Well, see, he's got two sons, doesn't he? He's got Willow and. Is that it? Willow's a girl, but right? But he's got. But there's Willow and Jaden. I thought there was another one though. I 
I didn't know that there was another one. There might not be. I don't know. Maybe it was Jaden. Who knows? Jaden is, he was in Karate Kid. I wasn't that young when he was in Karate Kid. Was he the one who was also in Pursuit of Happiness? Yes. Okay. Well, then I think that was probably the one. So you may have been, you may have been around then. Who knows? Uh, too young to remember it, though. Yeah, it's fine. Welcome back in. Five, four o'clock hour here the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1. TK out today with sickness. I'm playing a little bit injured, but intern Patrick's here to save the day on a snow day, you know, burrowing out of his snow-embedded house to make it in here, drive through the icy slush uh, and make it in. By the way, th- there is a, a second one. Texas says Jaden Willow and Trey. I was not aware. Trey's the athlete, I think. He, like, played, played football somewhere. I want to say. I could be wrong. We can investigate the Smith family roots during the break. But uh, we're going to take a little hoops after talking mostly football in the first segment. I know that that's music to the ears of everybody listening. But the Cars will take on a Georgia Tech team tomorrow that is. Look, I I was talking about this. I want to get. I'm going to ask you the same question that was asked of me last night. I want to pull it up real quickly so I can make sure that I'm getting the, the wordage right. If you were forced to bet every penny you own, all your assets, everything that you own in this world, on Louisville winning one more game this season. Where do you go? We've got, what, we have 10 more conference games and then one game at least in the, the ACC tournament. You're betting, you're betting your life on this. Everything that you have, everything that you own, everything that you are, on whether or not the Cards can win one game out of these last 11. Where do you go? I'd like to say, I'd be honest. I'd bet it to, on them to win another game, but I don't think I would. And don't just say like if you're gonna text in, don't just do the thing where it's like, no, they suck. Like, really think about this. Like, re- really think about you're gonna lose everything if you get this wrong. There's with, no wrong answer, but but take it seriously. With how they've looked the last three, three or four games. And the only, what I would say are very winnable games being the next two and needing a very quick turnaround with how bad they've played and the winnable games quickly approaching, I don't see them making a quick enough turnaround to win tomorrow night. And then we, Florida State at home, they already beat us by 20. And then after that, the schedule gets a whole lot tougher. Yeah, I said... I said yes. Because of the Mike Rutherford guarantee? No, not necessarily. The guarantee, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling quite as confident about the guarantee as I was a few weeks ago. I, I said yes, but I said I would not be at all confident about it. And I also think that I think what happens tomorrow night is going to give you a solid indication of, of what that answer should be. Obviously, if they win, that's one thing. But if they... If they lose and lose relatively handily to a Georgia Tech team that's coming off of a 43-point drubbing to Duke, a 21-point loss to Clemson, a 17-point loss to Syracuse, and a 12-point loss to NC State, and an 11-point loss to Pitt. That's their last five games. They've lost by double figures. They've been blown out. Four of those five games are at home, by the way. If we play that team and they beat us in relatively easy fashion, let's say they beat us by 8-12, to and they clearly look look like the better team for the, the bulk of the night, at that point, I changed my answer. At that point, I'm like, now they're not winning again. This is the best shot for them to win a game. Georgia Tech is bad. They're coming in with zero momentum. 
if they don't get it done, but they're somewhat competitive, it, it, you know, they lose by two or three, and it's a game that you feel like they just like the Syracuse game they had and let it slip away. I still think they would have a shot to win because we played those guys again on the road, and they're not a good home team. They're just not a good team. Period. But man, I wouldn't feel confident about either answer right now. I wouldn't. Oh. I'd feel more confident saying we're not going to win a game than we are. The person who asked me the question, who is a local media member, he said no. He said he he's betting on Louisville not winning another game, which is, I mean, horrific to think about, but also certainly very within the realm of possibility. All right. Danny Manning talked to the media today about the Georgia Tech game, took some questions, had some interesting things to say. I want to play that for you guys because I haven't heard it today besides the clips that have been out there on Twitter, so I do want to hear it myself. And then we can also talk after that about Kenny Payne, his radio show last night. I thought there were some interesting things that, that he was saying, saying at the end of it in his Q&A session with Paul Rogers. But first, here's Danny Manning getting you ready for Georgia Tech tomorrow night at the KFC Yum Center. Somebody who's played a lot of basketball, been around a lot, and developed a lot of guys, coached a lot of guys, what struck you about Emmanuel since he got here? A lot, to be honest. You know, Emmanuel has been an interesting case study from the standpoint of week and a half, two weeks ago, he's in a different world, so to speak. And so to make the adjustment of coming over here, the flight, 20 hours or so of flying time, and then you kind of hit the ground running. You know, he, he's trying to get caught up with what we're trying to do offensively, defensively, adjust to the new environment that he's in. Um, but he's been a sponge every day. You know, he comes in, and he's always wanting to learn, wanting to pick things up. And you can tell by the first time we put him out on the court at Notre Dame, he's grasped the concept of some things very well. And his energy is contagious, and he's just out trying to do whatever he can to, to please Coach Payne, KP, and to help our team be successful. Said that he wanted him to be comfortable before he threw him out there. Are you surprised that he was comfortable enough to play that that fast not at all just based upon the intangibles that we see on the practice court you know those are things that he brings every day the effort the energy he does a really good job of communicating as well um, especially for someone that hasn't been in this environment for quite some time so you know he, he has those basics down now obviously he needs to continue to improve and get better but the things that he walked in the door with have been very helpful to our team in this short amount of time. When you over your course of time of playing and and of coaching, we see a guy that has that intensity. He's always kind of going. That can be infectious, can it? To the, to the others, and have you seen that a little bit with the other guys? Oh, absolutely, been infectious. You know, he steps out there on the court, and right now, he plays at one speed. That's all he knows, <laughs> and, and that's motor on high, hot. And so, you know, you definitely, as, as someone competing up against him, you always, you have to turn your motor to that dial or that speed as well. And, and so that's always been something that uh, we look for different guys to bring at certain periods of time. And, and that's something that Manny brings every time he steps out on the court. You guys have Georgia Tech, obviously, tomorrow. They just got doubled up by Duke. Um, they've lost five in a row, most of them by double figures. When, when you watch them, what, what are you seeing from Georgia Tech? Georgia Tech displays uh, a lot of different tendencies offensively and defensively. Um, offensively, they get into their Princeton sets where they have a lot of 
actions out on the perimeter where they're dribbling at you when you can see some backdoor cuts or you can see some long looping cuts and they try to put you in situations to confuse you when they bring two players together and then it's just a read and react. Um, they also do a really good job of getting out in transition. So those two things uh, along with them getting on the offensive glass. They keep a lot of rebounds alive um, going to the offensive glass. If they can't get the rebound, they do a great job of back tipping it out. And then defensively, you know, I played against Josh's teams for quite some time in Conference USA and then, you know, ACC. And he, he has a really good mix of changing defenses to try to keep you in a unsettled state offensively. And so, you know, for us to attack all those things offensively, we have to have great ball and body movement. And we have to be able to be confident in our passing. Because the defenses that Josh plays most of the time are designed to make you hesitant. And we have to be able to see passes ahead and get the ball to certain areas based upon what type of defense that they're playing. Okay, with with Emmanuel, the one thing he he plays with such energy, but also Notre Dame didn't have anything to look at. Georgia Tech now ha has a little bit of film to see. Is he going to have some some learning now to do as as teams are, are ready for him a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. And each game is going to get a little bit harder for him just because there's more intel on him as a player. Um, you know, the the things for us that we're going to tell him is you just go out and you try to execute our game plan and you play with the same effort and energy each possession, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Now, obviously, throughout the course of ball games, there'll be timeouts, there'll be dead ball stoppages where we can give him some different types of directions based upon what the other team is doing at that particular time. But um, as long as he's out there communicating and playing with high energy level, you know, we feel like he's bringing something positive to the table for us. Hey, Danny, right here in the back. As a staff member with previous head coaching experience, what do you try to tell Kenny in a season like this when this is the first time that he's been at the helm of the program? You know, not just me. It's just everyone on staff. You know, we have to continue to see big picture. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. You know, a lot of times you get in situations like this and you always want you want that quick fix. You know, I want something that what's going to change the, the moment, the minute right now where – you know, KP is in the mindset of building the program, building the culture. And that's done day by day, brick by brick. And that's what we try to do every day. Uh, we try to s stay true to who we are um, as men. And, you know, that's based upon, you know, KP and, and his direction. Um, but it's every day you come in and you work. You show up every day to work. And that's the mindset that we want our young people to have. But also, not just in basketball, that's every day. That's life. You know, every day you got to show up. You know, nothing can happen unless you show up and you put forth that effort. And so that's the mindset that we bring every day, being consistent in your effort, being consistent in showing up. And then from there, you, you know, some days you wake up and you feel great, some days you don't, but you still got to show up and give us what you got. Danny, I guess along those lines, you've been a part of very successful teams and teams that have struggled. How do you feel like the players – uh, have responded as the year's gone on. They've said all the right things, it seems, but as the losing mounts, it gets tougher and tougher, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenging season, no question about it, but it's also a challenging season when you're on the other end and you're winning a lot of games. And so for us, our guys have come in day in and day out, and they put forth the effort to get better. And, and some days you might have to uh, 
aggressively challenge them a little bit more or prod them more, but it, it's there. And they come out with the mindset of trying to get better, of trying to help their teammates improve, and that's what we want day in and day out. Uh, we've acknowledged the fact that it's challenging when things aren't going your way, but you still have to go out there and, and try to make your own breaks, try to find something that you can bring to the table as an individual that will collectively help our team. Danny, it's obviously been a rough season for everyone involved so far, but what is, for you specifically, what has it been like dealing with the, the losing as, it, as the losses mount up? Well, you know, obviously as, as competitors, you always want to be on the other side of the win column, if you will. Um, but, but every day, our staff, we come in and we want to help our young people. You know, we, you know, when we got hired by KP, one of the first questions he asked all of us, are you, are you basically capable of helping young people grow, develop, love on them, but also challenge them to be the best that they can be day in and day out? And that, and that hasn't changed. And so for us, you know, we come in and, you know, we're going to love our guys, we're going to put our hands around them, but we're also going to kick them in the butt and challenge them and push them and prod them as well. And that's, that's been our mindset. And that won't ever change because that's who we are as people. Um, you know, we all have the, the fatherly type of, of feel when we see these young people every day where we want what's best for you. Um, and sometimes you don't know what's best for you, and we got to help lead you that way. You guys fell behind at Notre Dame pretty big and then did cut the, the margin. Emmanuel played quite a bit. Fabio got in and Devin. Do you anticipate uh, some of the younger guys getting more time uh, this week and going forward? My mindset has always been, and this is KP's mindset as well, is you put on that jersey, you need to be ready when your number's called. And, you know, everybody's role has been defined on this team. So when you get an opportunity, you have to go out there and you, you have to make the most of your opportunity. And that's been our, our mindset day in and day out. And our guys understand that. And so, you know, when they're not in the ball game, you know, we're always encouraging them to, to, to know what's going on, understand scouting report, um, look out there and see who's playing well, who's doing what. So when you get into the ball game, your adjustment period is just the speed of the game and not necessarily what's happening throughout the course of the ball game. Thanks. That was Danny Manning talking about the Georgia Tech game tomorrow. Although I did like that, like, I think 50% of the questions in three of the first four were all about Emmanuel Corvore. Uh, we're trying to, to find pauses wherever we can. The most, I thought, interesting section of that 10 minute or so press conference was him talking about the big picture. Uh, as far as Kenny Payne's big picture, what he's trying to what he's trying to accomplish here. And Manning said, the biggest thing right now is that a lot of times in situations like this, you want a quick fix. What's going to change the moment, the minute right now. But KP is in the mindset of building the program, building the culture. We keep hearing this. And at what point do we start to say, when are we going to see any sort of improvement on the floor? I think that you can, you know, if we're talking about improving the culture, if we're talking about building the culture, if we're talking about building the program, first of all, you, you, should need, you don't need to build the program at a place like Louisville. We're in the ACC. We've won three national titles. We've got one of the biggest fan bases in all of college basketball. We're in the most college basketball crazy area of the country. The program's built. The program's been built. 
We don't need to build the program. And if you're trying to build a new culture, that's one thing. But the other thing that I would say is we're going to have probably a gigantic overall on the roster for next next season. And that's what the fans want, right? The, the fans who believe in KP, the fans who don't believe in KP, they're all on the same page as far as one thing is concerned, which is we've got to kill in the transfer portal. We've got to have a, a almost entirely new roster tomorrow, uh, next year. My question is, if we're trying to spend this season building the culture, how many of these guys that, that we're probably going to be kicking to the curb are a part of that that culture building? Like, it, it doesn't seem to... It, it, it's not resonating with them. Like the question was asked, they're saying the right things. They're not coming out and openly sniping the coaching staff. You haven't had anybody enter the transfer portal or leave the team in the middle of the season. But clearly what the message that the coaching staff is trying to convey is not being absorbed by the players. So the question becomes, like, I'll say for the millionth time, what are we really doing here? 2-19, Owen's in the ACC. I you, you can't say that the team hasn't improved, but they certainly haven't improved enough. Everyone else has improved too. We're not coming within 10 points of beating anybody in, in the last few weeks. What type of culture building are we doing? I think it's a reasonable question to ask of the staff right now is when do we see some evidence of this this culture that's apparently trying to be fostered right now? We're not seeing it on the floor. I, I guess the fact that we're not getting in any sort of trouble off the court is is the the benefit there. I like that Manning talked about, you know, when KP hired us, he was talking about us more as human beings and, and our work ethic and coming, you know, coming to work every day and doing the right things off the court and being the right, having the right morals and all that stuff. It's all great. In a perfect world, you have all of that and you toss in winning at the same time. The fact of the matter is, Kenny Payne is paid very well to win basketball games. He's making three and a half million dollars this year. He's Kenny Payne set. He can he can lose out. He can never win another game here at Louisville. He can get fired next year, this year, whenever, and he's going to be fine financially for the rest of his life. He's paid to win games. He's losing at a historic rate. He's not giving us signs off the floor that we're going to start winning at a better rate next season or at a rate that's acceptable to a place like Louisville. We're going to need, we need to see more. And it all goes back to the preseason conversation. I, I, I hammered this home a bunch of times. I said he, he's got to do one of two things. Because as excited as I think the fan base was to have one of their own back and to see all the former players come back, there was definitely a solid contingent of the fan base that was was nervous about this hire. I think I'm, I'm not breaking news when I say that I, I was in that contingent. And I said to put the, the 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 fears of that portion of the fan base at ease, he's got to do one of two things in year one. Option one is the most obvious, overachieve. Take a team that nobody thinks is going to make the NCAA tournament, take them to the NCAA tournament or get them to 15, 16, 17 wins, play a brand of basketball that has everybody believing that you are, you're the man. You're going to be the guy here. That has not happened. It's not going to happen this year. Option two was killed in recruiting. Have, you know, get DJ Wagner or someone of his caliber, 
have a top five, top ten class waiting in the wings, land some big-time transfers over the summer. That hasn't happened either. And so now we're sitting here just hearing a lot of the same talk that we heard in March and April. The stuff that Danny Manning is, is saying, the stuff that Kenny Payne has continued to say during press conferences this entire season, it's all great for the first month on the job. It's all great when you're laying the foundation of what you want to do. It's not great when you're in the middle of a season that is two wins going into the fourth month of the year. We're going to have played twice as many months as we have wins. I just don't know. I listened to a little bit of Kenny Payne's radio show, which you can always hear right here on 970 WGTK, our sister station, last night. And Paul Rogers was asking him questions at the end. And he was talking about, you know, Georgia Tech, them being so far down, us being so far down. And, And Payne was saying he'd read somewhere that, you know, there was a story written by a Georgia Tech writer who was talking about their recent struggles, getting doubled up by Duke, losing by a healthy margin to Syracuse and to Clemson. And then they ended the the little spiel by saying, thank God Louisville's next. And he's like, I'm trying to tell my kids, like, this is this, this is what they're saying about you. This is, you, you got to get fired up. I'm like, how how have you not used this before? Everybody, like, there was a national broadcast of, I think it was Virginia Tech versus Clemson or somebody the clip's out there on the internet. You can find it if you want to, where they're talking in general terms about the ACC. They're using all the same cliches. And, and one of the announcers goes, you know, there's no easy game in this conference. And then he says, well, there's one easy game in this conference. This has been a talking point for a long time now. Like you, you could have used this as a motivational tool for the past three months. You could have used this as a motivational tool going into the season when you were picked 12th, which had never happened before in the history of Louisville basketball. I just don't understand how we're hearing the same, same things over and over and over this deep into a season. But what are you going to do? I, I tell you what, we'll take a break now. When we come back, text line has, has some thoughts here. 502-414-1450 if you want to weigh in on the Georgia Tech game, if you want to weigh in on what you just heard from Danny Manning, if you want to weigh in on anything you've heard from Kenny Payne, we'll take your text after the break. It's Mike Rutherford Show. It rolls on next here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. I love no time for tears Wasted water's all that is And it don't make no flowers grow Good things might come to those who wait But not to those who wait too late We gotta go for all we know Just the two of us edition of the Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 961 The Big X. Abrupt end there. You just turned... You were talking. Well, it's okay. I, I mean, it's better than when Trevor like doesn't let me talk for like a minute in the song. He'll turn my mic off so we can get to the part of the song that he likes. I appreciate that more, but the abrupt end just kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I was fading it down and I, I actually I actually hit the space bar on accident to pause I, it. I thought, but. yeah, I knew it was a mistake. It's okay. <laughs> we get Patrick here uh, running the board. 
producing the absolute hell out of the show. TK, under the weather today. Hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. Uh, if not, we'll, we'll make do. Everybody stick around here. I'm a little bit under the weather today. A little bit. I still don't know what's going on. I can't like, get a deep breath, which is not great for talking. My whole left side is just aching. My rib cage is just throbbing every time I breathe in, which is very uncomfortable. But we're doing the best we can here. Just like the Louisville basketball team getting ready for Georgia Tech tomorrow. Walking wounded, but hoping for the best. We played the Danny Manning press conference from today, earlier in the uh, the hour. We also heard a little bit from uh, Kenny Payne, his coach's show from last night with Paul Rogers. Now we're going to hear from you guys on the text line at 502-414-1450. We're also asking the question, if you had to bet everything you own in this world, everything, all your money, all your assets, all your everything on Louisville. All your NFTs. Game, all your NFTs, all the apes that you got stored away, all your party horses, all your everything. If you had to bet all that on, did you ever get your NFT, by the way, from, from me? Did I? You, you personally, I, could, I couldn't log in to approve it. I don't know how that works. I placed a bid. You, you bid on it, which I appreciated, but I don't know if I, I couldn't log into my old account. I don't even, maybe that thing's worth a million dollars now. I don't even know. Could I, be. I, somehow I doubt it. I couldn't find my old NFT login. But if you've got, if you've got NFTs that you are holding on to dearly and you had to bet them on Louisville winning a game the rest of the season or not, which side are you going with? We're asking that question. We're taking your answers here. We're, t- we're taking, it's Taboo Tuesday. We're taking all sorts of stuff on the text line. If you've got thoughts on anything, hit us up at 502-414-1450. Texter says, With three recruits and a core of four, we can't return many players, and we still have room for four or five transfers. Do you care to speculate? Also, what current basketball players have NIL deals? Well, I mean, speculate on who we're going to add or who's not going to be. I mean, I've got no idea who we're going to add. I don't think that there's... It's still way too early in the game. We don't even know who's going to be in the transfer portal. I mean, some players may have put out feelers for coaches at this point in the season to say, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be available. If that's happening with Louisville, which I don't think it is, I don't know about it. As far as players having NIL deals, I think a lot of them have at least minor NIL deals. I know Ellis does. I know Sidney Curry has the deal with Jeep. He's driving a new Jeep every like month, I think, is, is the deal that he's got going on there. Um, I know... Kamari Lands and Mike James have minor NIL deals. Uh, I think uh, JJ Trainer has got a shirt deal. I think just about every player has at least some NIL deal. Some are, are clearly more lucrative than others. I think LLS has a fairly large one, but it's it's the way of the world now. As far as I mean, we're bringing in a core of four. We're bringing in Caleb Glenn. We're bringing in Curtis Williams. We're bringing in Coron Davis. Coron Davis. I believe we're going to bring in another player from the the African Basketball Academy. That would be five players. You're hoping, I think, to add. I mean, as, as that doesn't leave much space for guys to come back. I think if you're taking players, if you're if you're picking and choosing who you want to come back, Mike cer- James. You certainly want Mike James. I think you probably want LLS. He's got one year of eligibility remaining. I I would take him. I think in a different role, I think he could be much more of an effective. Player, I think he'd be a solid ACC player. I mean, he's doing all he can right now. He's still the third leading scorer in the conference. I know people get frustrated with his turnovers, but he's being asked to do so much. I would take LLS back for next year. I would want, I mean, I don't know how we feel about Brandon Huntley Hatfield at this point. I don't know what the deal is with Brandon Huntley Hatfield at this point. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Curry, I think the fans have gone from doing anything they could to get him back for next season to not really caring if he comes back for his his last year. Wheeler, I think, is 
I'd be surprised if he's here next year. Withers probably the same. JJ Trainer, I don't know what's going on there. I think that he would be a logical choice to come back. But like how much of this is going to be on the coaching staff? How much of it is going to be on the players? I mean, we don't know. We're talking about wanting Mike James back. We're talking about wanting some of us LLs back. Who's to say they want to come back? Mike James is having a a pretty solid freshman season. Maybe he says, look, I don't have to sit out if I go somewhere else. I want to go to a winner right now. I don't, I'm not in college forever. I, don't, I can't afford to be a part of this rebuild. I can't afford to be a part of this, this culture building. Maybe I want to go somewhere else. I, it seems like he and Kenny Payne have a very close relationship, so I don't know if that's a possibility. But you just never know. You just never know, which is why speculating about these things on January 31st is always going to be an exact science for sure. Texas says, I don't even know what this means. It says, don't forget the Dr. Evil and Mini Meteor. Oh, version of just the two of us. There you go. And it was a very solid rendition. <laughs> Texas says, uh, Georgia Tech, we have two chances against them. I'm going with us winning a game on the bet. Okay. Texas, unfortunately, Josh Pastner is a better coach. He is the most successful John Calipari coaching tree prodigy. So there's that. Former ACC coach of the year, Patrick. He had that cool, he had that mask, the clear mask. He did have that mask. The yeah. face shield. I My whole thing that season was I wanted him to, to make that. I wanted them to be overwhelmingly successful so that that would be, kind of become his thing. Like even after COVID, even after we, you know, he, coaches were supposed to be wearing masks, he would just keep wearing the shield. And, and I, it, they could like tinted it like a football visor, had like a Georgia Tech logo on it, like could, the, yeah. like WKU did with the big put, red. Put sponsors on it. Like you, you could sell sponsorships. They won the ACC tournament. Put a Fig Newton sticker on there. Why not? It's what's he say? It's in no way, yeah, legal. It's obstructing my vision and in no way legal. I think he should have just kept it. I think he needs to bring it back. They clearly they have they have tanked since they won the conference tournament, and poor Moses Wright couldn't play in the the NCAA tournament, which sucks for them. He needs to bring it back. Like you could throw it in the crowd when you get pissed off. You can I mean, he slammed the shield a couple of times. It become a whole thing. He's he's missing out on a very clear marketing opportunity. It's probably gonna get him fired. But Steph Curry got another ejection for throwing his mouth guard a few nights ago. Did he really? Yep, his third career ejection, all three for throwing his mouth guard. Somebody asked us on the text line yesterday at the end of the show, and I didn't get a chance to read it about what we thought about LeBron flipping out over the call. And I was like, one, he obviously got fouled. It was a clear foul that they didn't call. The memes were the funniest part, if you I ask mean, me. The falling to the ground, though, is, is so over the top. I just can't imagine any other player doing that. It, it just was It was a little much. I, I'm not the biggest LeBron hater. I, I'm not the, the biggest fan. I'm, I'm the rare person who's kind of in the middle on LeBron. I don't, I don't really mind him one way or the other, but he doesn't. I don't think he's God, and he doesn't like everything he does doesn't bother me. I've got friends that just absolutely despise him. But the falling on the floor thing was a little outrageous, and it was also pretty funny. Like I'm like, what are you doing? Patrick Beverly walking over with the camera was, was the hilarious. Thing. It was incredible. Was, I, I loved that. That was that was awesome. Texas, did I hear that TK was going to the Super Bowl? Yes. I saw that those tickets are about four grand each. Is TK one of those millionaires that just lives with his mom and has a mediocre paying job just for fun? That's exactly what's happening here. Technically, doesn't his mom live with him, if we're getting technical? We are getting technical. His mom does live with him. That, that was the first thing that I told, because I told Mary, I'm like, yeah, Trevor's going to go to the Super Bowl if the Eagles win uh, on, when we are talking about this on Sunday. And she's like, how does he, how, how can he afford that? I'm like, well, he doesn't really spend money on anything else. So he's just, he's got this money saved up for 
basically Trevor just saves money up for if Louisville goes to a Final Four or the Eagles go to a Super Bowl. Or he needs ringside tickets to an AEW event. Trevor's, I mean, he's he's splurging. It's the year of spending for Trevor Kelsey. He's sitting front row at AEW on TV. He's going to the Super Bowl for $5,000 get-in tickets. He's going to, yeah, he's, he's just, he's, he's living large. KRC got him that GoFundMe last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. He's He's been saving ever since. I don't know if we need to go fund me for him now. I mean, he, I don't think he, we do. If he's spending these AEW front row ticket money, then I, don't, I mean, I don't know. By the way, we I got a direct message from my guy Jeremy, who listens to the show. He's a teacher in Phoenix, and he says, "Do you think I can get TK to come to my school and talk to the kids while he's out in Phoenix? I've had the show on outside with my PE class today, and they love it. God, that's terrifying. One, it would be effing hilarious, and two, it would be effing hilarious." It, First, do, it does air from 12 to 3 in Phoenix. I mean, I'm horrified that a, a, a school, I don't know how old his, his, his kids are that he teaches. I'm horrified that a group of kids at any age are listening to the show during school hours. That's, that's terrifying. I don't know what you guys are doing, Jeremy. I don't, know, I don't know what you're teaching these kids. This is terrible. Also, two, Trevor's not a pillar of physical education. Of all, I mean, I'm imagining DK in his sweatpants and and Kraken t-shirt. He's gonna ask to come in on sex ed day. Standing in front of a group of of kids in physical education and trying to talk to them about anything, I don't even know what he would say. He should teach them badminton. Trevor also strikes me as one of these guys. You know, Trevor's so I don't care about anything. You know, nothing really bothers me. I think he might get a a little bit nervous talking in front of a group of kids. I think that would I think that would be one of the the very few things where he would be like. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this, but we gotta. I think we have to make it happen. Imagine, imagine. I mean, we were all were snot nosed kids at one point. Just you know, nothing's cool. We're making fun of everything. We gotta see if Trevor can be an honorary captain for this school's basketball team. The thing is, the odds are like five to one that Trevor like gets mad and, and yells at a kid and gets himself like in some sort of huge trouble. We have to like. Get him on an open gym day. The kids are all playing <laughs> basketball. He's he's a captain. We need him as a captain. He needs to be picking teams. I mean, this, this is the worst thing that anybody. You're you're inviting a whole level of evil into the school that I don't think you're you're ready for. I mean, Trevor would get angry so easily. Imagine like what was the last time Trevor stepped foot into a school building? Like sophomore year Wagner before he got his GED. I don't know. Like that's well, he did, he did take classes at Western Kentucky for a year. He was a freshman in college when I was a senior in college. But 12, 13, 14-year-old kids, even like 10-year-old kids, like nothing's cool. You make fun of everything. Imagine being an 11, 12-year-old kid and like Trevor shows up in sweatpants and looking like Trevor. In an Eagles jersey. Reeking of cigarette smoke, just not giving a bleep about anything. And he tries to talk to you about whatever Trevor would talk to you about. Like some kid's going to make a comment. I can see Trevor just snapping, like going off on the kid and just like saying something that gets him kicked out of the school permanently. Like Trevor might get banned from the state of Arizona if he goes and talks to a group of kids. Is Trevor legally allowed inside a school building? That's, well, <laughs> I think so. I think he's good there, but I don't know. Texas says, you think Cal will be watching this battle of his two greatest protégés? You got to imagine he's going to be locked in. No, he's not. <laughs> I mean, is I joke, but I'm not joking when I say Pastner is the most successful member of the Calipari coaching tree. Like, and I don't think like it is. And I know that I'm rehashing old arguments when I was kind of arguing 
against hiring Kenny Payne back in the day. My biggest thing was never Payne's never coached before. It was a, a, a red flag for sure to me, but it wasn't. My biggest thing was always the Cal Perry coaching tree. The man has not produced a, a head coach worth a damn in all of his years and all the success that he's had. Uh, Tony Barbie sucked. Bruiser Flint sucked. Derek Kellogg sucked. Josh Pastner mostly bad, but a couple of decent years. Like I always make the joke that Mike Polio has a more successful coaching tree, and he coached at VCU and EKU in the early nineties. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, John Robick, Youngstown State flop has to come back. Orlando Antigua, USF flop cheating has to come back. Um, I know I'm forgetting Scott Paget at Sanford, not great. Did not go well. Although he did have a great quote uh, about like fighting a, a guy trying to fight a coach trying to fight him. He's like he's like you're six eleven, bro. You don't want these problems. I was like that's great. Uh, Preston Spradlin is doing well at Morehead State. He may be the one that eventually winds up becoming a, a a solid protege. But to this point, there's just been no success out there. Rod Strickland, nothing. Um, it's 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 just it, it's a it's a desert. Nobody's doing anything. Bill Baino. Not much. Texture says, it's concerning that we have to send Danny Manning out to give detailed breakdowns of our opponents, which we have never heard from KP. Well, he said this, he he said it a, a while back. I, I want to say it was like a month and a half ago that for pregame press conferences, he was going to start sending the assistant that had the scout for that particular game. Now, you can criticize that if you want to, but he's this has been known. So Manning's out there doing the answering the questions because he had the Georgia Tech scout. It is a little bit unusual that you don't get the a lot of coaches will do this periodically where you'll send out an assistant because you're out there recruiting. He's doing it pretty much every week now. I say what you will about that, but it's it's the way that he's been doing things this season. Um Texture says, I'm past the point of caring if we win another game. I'm not proud of it, but how many times can a fan get disappointed? That's the I mean, that's the the risk that you're running right now. TJ Walker just texted me that they KRC did a remote at Cenex a few years ago, and Trevor was in a school building that day. And he didn't get, did not get kicked out. I don't think he got kicked out. So that's good. He can go to a school. Talk to kids. We're getting a little bit iffy. But Texas says Trevor, the, Trevor to the kids. The key to fitness is just not eating salads. I'm telling you, he needs to play a pickup basketball game with a group of middle schoolers. I don't want to see that. I don't know. It, it would have to be half court. He's not. He's not running up and down. No, I don't know if he's. Gonna, I don't know if he could do half court at this point. Texture says, since Pastner is part of the Calipari coaching tree, I'm putting my money on uh, Georgia Tech beating on beating Georgia Tech. It's our only hope. I, if you're betting against him because he's on the giant Calipari coaching tree, I got bad news for you. Well. Maybe you have a shot though, at beating him. We we need to schedule all the old Calipari coaches that are are out there right now. Like that needs to be our non conference scheduling next year. Get UNLV on the schedule. Is Scott Padgett still an assistant somewhere? Yes. Where is he now? I saw him in like a MAAC game on the bench one time, like last year. I that sounds right. It sounds like like he's Manhattan there. maybe. But they just fired. Yeah, he he is there. He's at Manhattan. Is he the interim head coach? Because they got rid of Massiello. I don't think schedule him. I think Ronald Norad is their interim coach. But yeah, get Manhattan on the schedule. We could play them. I'm good with it. 
Uh, Texas says tonight's matchup featuring two failing former Calipari disciples. Well, that's next year. That's tomorrow, I mean. We got a whole day. People don't even know when the games are anymore. That's what we've this is what we've been reduced to. Texas, how are we going to build a culture when you're probably flipping the majority of the roster for next season and the transfer rules are what they are? With that and Kenny's NIL views, it feels like he thinks the game is still the same as it was when he left UK and he doesn't want to change with the times. I think this is a legitimate concern. I think that all this talk about culture building, it's great. But in, in this day and age, like it's not the way that it used to be when you're going to have a roster over overhaul is probably too strong of a word, but you're going to have more turnover from a year to year basis than you've ever had before. You want to keep some guys, you know, who know that culture, who know what you're trying to preach. You want to keep three or four guys at least from one year to the next that can kind of show the newcomers how it goes, but you're going to have freshmen entering the fold, which has always been a thing, but now you're also going to have transfers that have major college experience some of them have probably had big time success at other programs and you've got to find a way to, I don't know, to get them to buy into what you're preaching and not just take everything from their past programs. It, it's, it's a totally different challenge than it was five to 10 years ago. And now with NIL, cause I know the NIL talk is still out there that, that Kenny Payne doesn't want to use it as much as some coaches do. And we had the video of him kind of trying to, to get into the NIL stuff, but I think a lot of the fan base doesn't really believe that his heart's in it. I think there is a legitimate concern that Kenny saw the way that things were done under Calipari 10 years ago and the success that they were able to have and is still trying to implement that type of system and it's just not going to work in, in 2023. This is all just guessing at this point, though. We have to see a full offseason of uh, of him, the way he's going to recruit, the way he's going to use the transfer portal, and what he does next year with, with some of the same players, likely, and a whole host of new players. If it's, if it's a failure again next year, and failure means, to me, not making the NCAA tournament, I think you've seen enough. You can say you've already seen enough at this point, and I'm not going to argue too stringently against you, but I do, I am curious because I, I think that there's no real scenario where he doesn't get a second year unless he chooses not to, to take a second year on on his own volition. I'm very curious to see where we go from here because right now there was a whole lot of talk last spring about culture and promise of the future and what we're going to do, and we have not seen any of the fruits of that so far. And you fast forward almost a full year later, we're still hearing the same talk. What are you going to do now in the spring months that shows us that things are going to be different? Who do you go out there and get? What do you do with the the, the players that you had on a two, three, four win roster that are going to come back? It doesn't seem like a whole lot of guys have gotten better in this season. I think Mike James is the one big exception. Can you develop them during the offseason? You, I mean, that was the thing. We had a normal quote-unquote, normal offseason with these players that had not had a normal offseason the year before. And none of them really got better. None of them really looked better when the season rolled around in November. Was that just an anomaly? Was it just more about them than it was about you? What can we do in these spring and summer months to make this program back on the path towards 
getting back to being Louisville. Texas says, why didn't Louisville give Mike Bray a farewell gift like they did with Coach K last year? Did we not? Interesting. Maybe short notice. I mean, he just announced his retirement or his his they was leaving Notre Dame like two weeks ago. And he's not as important as Coach K. I kind of didn't like that we did the thing with Coach K. I didn't. I, I if we had not chosen not to give anything to Coach K, then I would be fine with it. But we did. He was touched. He. I think Coach K seemed more touched about getting to hang out with Danny Crum than he was at anything else. Like the bat that we got him, he was like cool. But I just really liked hanging out with 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 Denny Crum, and I can see how when you get this late in your career, like a reminder of you know one of your old rivals from the old days, the guy that I went head to head with in the the '86 national title game, like how that would be refreshing and how you'd wanted to to do that. But as far as us giving something to Mike Bray, I, would, I mean, maybe we get him a drink at, at headliners for old times' sake after the game. I don't know. That was probably a Kenny Klein thing last year. Kenny's. Only partially in the job this year. He was busy up at Iona. He's busy visiting Rick. God, that picture made me so nostalgic. <sighs> Texas says there are rumors about Sky Clark coming here. He could help. Is that Sky with two Ys? That's Sky with two Ys. He could definitely help. I mean, I feel like there have been rumors about Sky Clark for a full year now. There were rumors that he was going to commit here. That didn't happen. There have been rumors since he left Illinois that he was going to come here. We'll find out. I mean, you need guards. Sky Clark, I don't know what the deal was with with him and Brett Underwood apparently butting heads. I don't know. It was a, a weird deal to leave the team that had been somewhat successful less than halfway through the year. But I would take him. Former five-star guard, no question about it. We need, we need players. We need bodies. We need guards. Bring him on. I know he's got a relationship with Kenny Payne. If that happens, I'm, I'm all for it. Texas says, where's the podcast? I know Danny and I have been trying to... This is the time where we need to do a podcast more than ever because we finally won our, our first fantasy golf tournament. We took Max Homa last week. We had gone three full years without ever winning this. We talked about it on the podcast. Nobody cares about it, but we still talk about it. We finally need to celebrate our victory. We were trying to do it on Friday. Danny had work stuff. He pushed it to Monday. He could only do it after 1 o'clock. I had to come in here early to do the commercials for the show, and now he's on the road with his boss for the next three days. So we're going to try to either do it on Friday or record like at night one day this week. I don't know. It's just, you know, real life sucks. If we could, if only, we need, we need L&N Credit Union to sponsor the podcast. Like give us like $500,000 just to do the podcast. And guess what? You're going to get like five a week. It'd be perfect. You quit our jobs. It'd be great. I still do the radio show though. There'd be a lot of talking. It's, it is. And I, I Here's the thing about me. I don't really like talking that much. I really don't. I, like, I come home. Mary's asking questions. Kids are asking questions. I don't really want to talk that much. I talk three hours here. Every podcast you already say. I already talked about this on the radio. I, at least once a podcast. I know. I, I do that all. See, I. it's a quirk of mine, and I know that I, I need to just get over it. But I, I hate repeating myself, and I always just envision people listening to me that have heard this. So I always feel the need to say, I know I've said this before, and I need to just stop doing that. But I do it all the time. And I, it, if it drives you crazy, I'm sorry. I know I've said this before, but I need to stop. Talked about this on the radio show this week. I, I mean, there's only so much you can say. I, I talk all the time. I don't really like talking that much. Texas, what do you think of the TBT team with Steven Russ? I'm excited about it. 
Trevor, of course, Trevor was too cool for it yesterday. I brought it up, and Trevor's like, I don't, I'm not going to watch. I don't care about it. I it's mean, like it's like the winning team shares a million dollars. It's basketball in the summer when there's no other like basketball on. Like it's it's exciting. I liked watching it during the remember the 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 COVID year. It was like the first kind of live sporting event in America that came back, and Ryan McMahon was playing for the Dayton team. Like I was fully into it. Like I was excited about it. Having a Louisville team, we tried to get one a couple of years ago. It fell through. And do they do the do they do the Isler ending like the yes yeah they do the the. Uh, at the end of the third quarter, they just set score, and the first team to that wins. Right. They do. What's it called? The Eiler ending, I believe. I don't think it's the Eiler ending. It's something else, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe. Now, yeah, because that doesn't sound right. It's Elam ending. E- I was close. Yeah, the, the Elam ending. And you're st- still you're carrying on the Trevor tradition of, okay. of being very close but not right, which is that's what we do. That's fine. The Elam ending, I think it's cool. I, people want to implement it in the actual – like college basketball, which I don't like. I think it's a little bit too uh, different to implement in a like a such a historic basketball. So basically, if you don't know what we're talking about, at the end of the at the end of the third quarter, whatever the score is, it's the you add eight points to the the score of the leading team. So if it's eighty to seventy two, the target becomes eighty eight. And his first team to 88 points wins. Is it always eight, or is it? can it be more, can it be less? It's eight in the, the basketball tournament, I know. It's eight. And it, it makes it kind of exciting. I kind of I like it for that event. I would not like it for college basketball or the NBA or anything like that. Thing is, I like it for the event. Because there's no fouling at the end. There's no benefit to fouling. And then there's always going to be a game winner. Yes, which is, is, is fun. And also it gives you a target as if you're the team that's behind and it's just I don't know. They did it in the NBA All-Star game a few years ago. Did they really? It was the it was the the after Kobe Bryant died when everybody's wearing 24-8, they added 24 to the end, I believe. And they played from there. I did not know that. That's cool. Texas I too am a teacher and there is no level of torture that would make me comfortable enough to introduce Trevor Kelsey into my classroom. There has to be some level of torture. There's no level of tenure, he says, that would make uh, me comfortable enough to introduce Trevor Kelsey to my my classroom. You're making the safe move there. That's, yeah, it's, I worry about this happening. I want it to happen for my own wanting to watch the world burn mentality, but I I fear for my guy Jeremy's job if if he does end up making this happen. But we'll see what happens. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, 5 o'clock hour is up next. Keep the Taboo Tuesday text coming at 502-414-1450. Myself and intern Patrick, we're back for another hour. Coming up after this here on Hour here, the Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 961 The Big X. Trevor Kelsey out for the day. 
under the weather. I'm playing a little bit wounded today as well, but Inter Patrick, thankfully, carrying the show on his broad shoulders, getting ready for baseball season. I like that you we were talking about walk-up songs. You were saying during the break, you walked up to Careless Whisper last year, which I don't think can be topped for your walk-up song this year. You don't get a whole lot of ABs, so you got to make them count. I think my I think home ABs, I probably only got like three or four. Because you're a pitcher. Yeah. But Careless Whisper's good. Why would you? I don't know why you would stray from that going into senior year. Senior year's got to be big though. Um, that was that was a that was a big walk up song last year. I went with when we went to the state tournament because we didn't have home music at Trinity games my junior year. We played on the football field, which was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But I went with we play at Trinity this year for the first time. The in new my, field. Yep, in my tenure at Manuel, it's the first time we've ever played against Trinity. Oh, really? Yep. The very first varsity game I ever played was actually at Manual, the old stadium where it was like 250 down the line, but like they had like the green monster net. It's where we still practice. I know. It's, well, we played actual games there, so it was a different world. But I had um, Big Timer Still Fly was, was my, my walk-up song junior year going into the, the state tournament. And then senior year, uh, Nelly E.I. Was very, I was very cool. It was not cool, but you got to do what you got to do. I like that you go with the more comedic approach. Got to workshop well, workshop intern Patrick's walk up song this year. Texas at 502-414-1450. What should you walk up to the plate to? Do, I mean, do you get music when you go out to pitch? Uh, yeah. Last year it was Big Papa. Ah, that's good. I mean, hardball. Yeah, reminds me of hardball. Yeah, La- our first baseman. He's the one that handled the walk up songs last year, and he had like multiple for himself. Like, I guess he was able to talk to the well, MC right. guy and was like, "I want this my first at bat and this my second at bat." And one of them was the the Home Depot uh, <laughs> music, but like a remix of it. Can I get the what was the insurance company with the whale that had that song? Dun, 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 dun. I want that. I wanted to get really really niche when I was in high school. I was like the early transition music from the early episodes of Boy Meets World. Like, give me that sad player injured music from Fox NFL Football. Give me that. That needs to be a walk up music, but we, it never happened. I think it's a. I think we. You send him a YouTube video, so we could. I could get pretty crazy. You could get Prudential. I think is the is the whale one. Send that in. That can be your. But the guy that does our music and stuff, he's the. Uh, he does the uh, public announce at the Louisville volleyball games. He's oh really? Good. Yeah. No big deal. Shout out Jerome Pasqua. Shout out Jerome. We love you. Speaking of baseball, uh, we have two U of L baseball players that have been named preseason All Americans by two different publications. Christian Napchik has been named a preseason All-American by D1Baseball.com, a second-team selection joining Jack Payton, who was a first-team preseason All-American, according to Baseball America. I, I'm, you know, all these preseason publications, all these different polls, I'm realizing the more that comes out, the more that I... Baseball America is my go-to. One, they've got Louisville the highest ranked. They've got them at number five. Two, it's Baseball America. Like, I don't even... D1Baseball.com. Is the internet really even going to last? Get out of my face. Collegiate baseball newspaper. Newspapers are done. Baseball America is, it's a lifer. Everybody knows Baseball America. They've been here forever. They're going to be here forever. They know good baseball. They know good All-Americans. I'm choosing to side with Baseball America for all of my in-season polls until they have Louisville lower than some of the other publications. I like Jack Payton because he responded to my DM after the Michigan game last year when I just DM'd him just to see if he would respond. You were safe. Don't trip. And he responded. Yes, sir. Miss my hand. <laughs> nice. I love it. 
Jack Payton's a badass, by the way. He's he's fantastic. Getting excited for baseball, which is now 17 days away from first pitch for the UofL baseball season. Uh, it's Taboo Tuesday here on the Mike Rutherford Show. We've got, I mean, I'm, I, I slept for most of the day trying to get rid of this illness and be good enough to come in here and do the show, which you can argue whether or not I am. Um, we've got a game tomorrow, but we, how much do you really want to preview Georgia Tech today? So we're turning it over to you guys on the text line. Taboo Tuesday. Weird thoughts, weird comments, weird questions. We're taking all things at 502-414-1450. We did have a question of the day, which I should have put up there as a poll question. Because I, I was asked it by a friend slash media member last night. And I, I genuinely put thought into it. The question was, if you had to get to bet all of your life assets, all of your money, everything you own, on this one question, will Louisville win another basketball game this season? Which side are you going with? And I thought about it, and I was like, I would bet yes, but I would be terrified. And I think I'd love to answer the question again in like 30 hours. Because I think Wednesday will be a solid indicator. On paper, this is the the most winnable game that you have left out of your 10 in the regular season. Georgia Tech is bad. They've been especially bad in recent weeks. They are limping into this game. It's it's played at home. Ken Palm projects a Georgia Tech 69-66 to victory. You have a 40% chance of winning. That is markedly higher than any other game that you have left on your schedule. So if Louisville not only loses on Wednesday, but loses fairly handily, I think at that point I would change my answer. At that point I would say nine games left, one game in the conference tournament. We ain't winning any of these. We're losing out. Which would be, God, what would that be? A 21-game losing streak to end the season. Good Lord. Good Lord. But that's where I would bet. As of right now, though, I'm standing pat on my Mike Rutherford guarantee. They're going to win at least one game. It may be Georgia Tech. It may be two against Georgia Tech. Maybe Florida State. I still think they could steal one against a better team, not like Virginia or, or Duke or, or Miami, but maybe maybe Clemson, maybe Virginia Tech, maybe Pitt. I don't know, although Pitt's playing really well right now. But I think they get one. I'm standing by that. If I had to bet my life on it, I would bet on, on us winning one of these last 11 games. That Clemson game should be our best home environment the rest of the year. That's kind of what I'm thinking. One, I think Clemson's kind of a fraud still. I think they're going to regress to the norm. Two, you're going to have a lot of people that are just there for the 2013 team. You're going to have there. You're going to have a lot of people there that are, you know, going to go nuts when they show Peyton and Russ on the big screen when they bring the team out. Like there is, there is a reason for this team to get motivated for that game and try not to embarrass themselves in front of all these these former players and what should be like you said, the most electric home crowd of the, of the season. I think they've got a shot in that game, just for that reason alone. Speaking of, of former players, we talked last we, we last hour we played the Danny Manning press conference uh, today, which was short. It was only he talked for about nine minutes about the Georgia Tech game. Kenny Payne last night, uh, his coach's show with, with Paul Rogers. One thing that I, that I didn't mention that he brought up that I thought was interesting, he talked about, you know, they had the former players that are now in the NBA that were at the game against Boston College. Um, Emmanuel Quickly was there. R.J. Barrett was there. Uh, Peyton Pritchard was there. Who's the one UK player that I'm forgetting? Julius Randle. Julius Randle was there. And so after the game, Kenny Payne said he went and talked to the players and was like, what are you guys seeing? You know, what do you see when you watched our game? And he said they loved the space that we played with, which I thought he said, said, I thought we played with some of the best best space that we've had this season in that Boston College game. He said they can 
they love the offense that we're playing. They can see what we're trying to do. And I'm like, I wish that that I could. And he was like, it was comforting to hear the the former players that are seeing the same things. Because a lot of times, coaches and young players, there's a disconnect there. They're not seeing the same types of things. So I guess like that's 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 good. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's just I wish I could see it too. The 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 spacing's great, cool. Losing by twelve to a bad Boston College team is. It was ten. Was it ten? I think it was ten. We got up twelve. We lost by ten. You're right. Seventy five, sixty five. When's the last time we played a single digit game? By the way, Syracuse. No, it's been since then. Wake Forest. Okay. Eight. God. Ooh. How dare you? How dare you? But that was uh, Kenny Payne saying that basically Peyton Pritchard and. Emmanuel Quickly and Julius Randle and uh, R.J. Barrett were like, you're, you're going to be okay. You're playing with space. You're playing with space. Everybody knows that playing with space is the hardest thing to do in basketball. A lot of, I mean, you keep seeing former players, whether they're UofL or guys who know Kenny Payne, who are speaking up for Payne and saying this is going to get better. Um, I think it was Trey Lewis was the, the most recent who put something on Twitter saying, you know, Louisville's going to be back to being one of the best teams in college basketball very soon, like watch this and all this stuff. And I did mention on last week's show, they don't speak for everybody. I know that they, there's this narrative that's out there saying like every former player is in Kenny Payne's camp is, you know, they're okay with things that are going on right now. They think that this is going to be fine. And again, I can tell you via text that I get and DMS that I get, it's not everybody. It, It may be a majority, but there is certainly a contingent of former players who are, I'm not saying not rooting for Kenny Payne. Everybody's rooting for Kenny Payne, but who are alarmed by what's happening right now and who are not as optimistic as some of the other players who've been more vocal on their social media channels have been. And it's just important to remember you can't, there's no broad brush to paint. I think some people try to paint this as former players versus the fans. There are some former players, both recently and from the crumb era who are, I think with a lot of the, the, the fans, in their beliefs about what's happening right now and who are saying that this this just isn't good enough. And that's honestly that's been the case since the summer. There were some guys who went to practice and who were willing to, you know, tell me and tell other people in text but didn't want to say it publicly that like this is not looking good. I don't think it's going to go great and who are still saying I don't think this is going to go great. So just you know it may narratives get painted as absolutes and and that's not always the case. All right, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. We'll take some more text from you. Also, the other big storyline of the day is a teacher in Phoenix wants Trevor Kelsey to come talk to his kids uh, when he's out there for the Super Bowl. Do we think this is a bad idea or the worst idea? You guys weigh in and let us know. Texter says, Mike, after listening to Friday's show, you and Trev definitely got COVID from the trophy. I hope not. What trophy is he referring to? So Trevor... Went and picked up his fantasy football trophy on Friday. And it's actually, which I didn't even know, he's in the league with a, a friend of mine from high school. I didn't know this until recently. And Ryan, his friend who had the trophy, his whole family had COVID. And Trevor's like, I don't care. Like, I'll, I'll go in there and I'll, you know, I'll get. He needs that trophy. Yeah. So Miles just left the trophy on his front porch for Trevor to come get it. Same thing I did when I, we had COVID in our house. We just left the like, equipment on the front porch and Scoots came and got it. Like, you know, it's, it's safe. But, it does make me a little bit nervous. I don't think that I, like, I have not, we have COVID tests at home. I haven't taken, because I don't feel, being a COVID expert at this point, it doesn't feel like it, it did when I've had COVID before, but I probably should just to be safe. I mean, again, I feel better now. Trevor had like, Trevor was violently throwing up yesterday. I think he just had a stomach bug. 
Did the second COVID run, did it reverse, cancel out the long COVID or what? It did not. It, no, no. It, I don't know. I was hoping it would. Seems like it would. You, you, you'd like to think that, but unfortunately it started some old stuff and brought some new stuff in. It's been. You still not drinking coffee? See, that was, that's one of the things. I'd gotten back into coffee and I had to give it up like three weeks ago. Um, and it sucks. I'm going to try again in like two months and hopefully that I'm hoping a lot of people say the second time they get infected, like they cycle through the symptoms that they had the first time, but it happens faster and they go back to like their baseline after a few weeks. I'm hoping that happens for me. I'm hoping I get back to where I was like in November in March or so, if that makes any sense. I was, in, I was just enjoying coffee again. It wasn't the same as it was before, but I was enjoying it. Just having like one little cup and then boom, destroying the heart. Texas Pastner was only an assistant under Calipari for one season. How much of whatever success Pastner has can really be attributed to Cal? Was it only the one year? I have no idea. I I'll guess because he was at you know, he was the the player at Arizona where he was basically an assistant there. He was yeah he's only the assistant for one season, which was the 08-09 season when they were so good when they were the the one seed that went to the that was that year right? No 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 that, that was the year before. So Passner came in and basically wrecked them. They were the one seed in 08 that went to the national title game and got beat. 09, they were a little bit down. And then he went to Memphis. He, he, he got the job when Calipari left for UK. So, yeah. I, don't, I mean, yeah, I don't. He's more of the Ludos and coaching tree than anything else. He's an assistant at Arizona for seven seasons. He played at Arizona um, and then was at Memphis for one year before becoming a head coach. I'm surprised. Like, looking back, he's, he was so young when he got that head coaching job. I know he was kind of seen as this wonderkin, but, like, he was 32, 31 when he got named the full-time head coach at Memphis, which I know had fallen on a little bit of hard times. But, man, that's a, that's a big job for a, a young guy at that point. And it didn't go great. Texas says the parents would have to sign consent forms for Trevor to come talk to them, right? I don't know if they know what they're getting themselves into. I'm sure we could give him a – we could fluff up his resume a little bit. They'd sign Radio veteran of 15-plus years. Proud. Somewhat graduate of Wagner High School. Won my fantasy league. Fantasy champion. Wrestling enthusiast. I think, I think, that's, I think they're signing. I'd sign. Would you sign as a father? History buff. History buff. Published author. We can just make up stuff. New York Times best-selling author. <laughs> New York Times best-selling author. Um, PhD. Forbes 40 under 40. It's like, <laughs> it's like, isn't he 42? Still in there. Doesn't matter. Forbes uh, Forbes 40 under 43. 43 under 43. Uh, Texas, I want to see TK in a game of dodgeball with those kids. I think he's a little bit too big of a target. I feel like he's at a massive disadvantage. I feel like Trevor would do the thing... Where, do you remember when, there's a South Park episode where Cartman, like, fakes being mentally handicapped to enter the Special Olympics, and, like, he's like, I'm just going to dominate, and he, like, gets destroyed. Yeah. I think that would be Trevor playing dodgeball with kids. Like, he'd be like, oh, this is, I can't wait, I'm going to just pummel some kids. I think he would go poorly for him. I think he would get out very quickly. I feel like that's how it would be with me and women's basketball. Oh, see, I, I'd know that I would get destroyed. I mean, No, I could play. 
you know, my buddy Justin Rank, who's done the show before, he was one of those guys in college that would practice with the women's team. Like he played, he played. Uh, he was a good basketball player in high school at Holy Cross. He now coaches uh, the girls' team at, at Mercy. He was one of the coaches over there at Mercy. But he was one of those. You know, they they recruit some men from the student body to practice with the, the women's team. And he was like, yeah. He's like, you know, you you go in there with a big head and you get humbled pretty quickly. He's they like, have a girl that. Well, Mercy is a girl that will put up like forty and twenty sometimes. Yeah, she's a she's the number thirteen player in that class, and then yeah. Zakia Johnson. She's from, a Shaw from Sacred Heart. It's like the number one player in the class. Yeah. Do you so think we, Do you think this Justin fella could get me in Mercy's practice practicing? Oh yeah. I, I think I'd put forty and twenty on her. Well, you're t- playing against yeah high school girls. It's a little bit different. I'm number thirteen player in the class. I think she would. She she could take you. No. She could take you. No. We used to play against when Sacred Heart was so good. We would play against those girls. Like Carly Ormerod was dating a friend of mine, and uh, they Crystal Kelly and those girls. And we would play pickup against them, and they were it, it was very competitive. Um, we got the best of them sometimes. They got the best of us. Sometimes. Manuel's got some girls going. There's one going to University of West Georgia. There's one girl going to University of Buffalo. One girl going to Three Rivers College. They're all all right. Is the team good? Uh, we're like second in the state, but not even close to Sacred Heart. So Sacred Heart's running it. Yeah, they, Donna Moyer's got them working again. They beat us by like 26 in the girls' LIT championship. I believe because they've won the last two state titles, right? Yes. And they're going for three in a row. But we we were like up 10 in the fourth quarter when we played them in the season opener this year. But then they beat us by 26 in the LIT championship like last Friday. If. Texas, I don't, see that, I don't see managing roster turnover as a problem for Payne. He came from the NBA. My biggest concern is the laid-back coaching style seems to require a specific type of kid to excel. We, we've had this discussion before. It does seem like when you think about the best college coaches, like I was watching, I watched Texas Baylor last night in like a fever haze. And all I could think of was how animated Scott Drew was. And he, he's known as one, one of the more quieter coaches. But like you know, every time there was a quick break, like you know, foul with like six seconds to go before half, he's quickly going to the bench. He's yelling at somebody to get in the game. He's he's yelling up a play, and we just don't see that that like lively animation on the sideline from Kenny Payne that you see from I think most of the best head coaches in the sport. I'm not saying that you can't win playing under a style of a head coach like Payne's, where he is more laid back. But I do think the Texas right. I think I do think you have to recruit players that that fit that style that don't need to be motivated. By and large, like. I'm of the belief that most 18 to 21 year old kids like need somebody who's kind of on their ass to get the most out of them. Like somebody need, need a head coach who's who's not just not necessarily like yelling and screaming, but who is animated and upbeat and lively and you know going to get them going a little bit when they can't get themselves going. And I don't think that that's that's pain, which is fine, but again, you're going to have to get kids that are self-starters. You're going to have to get kids like I think a recent example is Jared West from last year, who was not the best player that we've ever had, but who always was going to, to be self-motivated, who didn't need the coaches yelling and screaming at him to get going. You've had guys like that over the years, but you haven't had a whole lot of teams like that, which is why I think the style, like Rick Pitino's, works really well. Now, Rick Pitino also just is he's good at other things, but he wasn't ever going to let— if you were sleeping on a defensive possession, boom, your ass is on the bench and you're getting chewed out. Like that, I think, for most teams, for most rosters, is the style that's going to work the best. But if you're not going to be that person, if, if that's just not who you are, that's fine. But you've got to go out there and get kids that are going to respond to that style. And, and you got to win. 
and and I mean, yeah, that's that that's the name of the game. Takes this so Jay Wright is still coming to be our coach next year. No, no. I don't know. I hear he likes Ellen and Federal Credit Union. I hear he's a big fan. <laughs> the whole like. I love the, the the fans that are out there that are just so sure that this is like it who make it seem like it's an option. Like we got to fire pain and get right today. I'm like, well, if that were like an option, then I, yeah, I think you'd have a, a larger contingent of the fan base that would be willing to get rid of Kenny Payne right now. But it's not like this is a choice. It's not like you're just out here choosing not to hire Jay Wright. Like it's, it's not that easy. It's, it's, it's also, it's not going to happen. Like he, I think he's said openly, he's not, he don't want to come back to coaching anytime soon. And I think if he does come back to coaching, it's going to be in the NBA. Texture says, I want KP fired, but to be fair to him, I have seen improvement in James Trainer and Ellis to an extent. I think we've definitely seen improvement in in Mike James. Trainer. Yeah, I think I, I think Trainer's just getting more minutes now than he was at the beginning of the year. I think you've always he always is going to play hard. He's always like he's our pound for pound, he's probably our best rebounder. He goes all after the after it on the offensive glass better than anybody. He's his shot is weird and it doesn't look good from the outside, but it goes in at a high enough clip. Defensively, he still gets lost way too much. Like that hasn't gotten better. He is at the back end of the zone. He is always giving up dunks. He has some nice. He has some nice putback dunks sometimes. He does. He attacks the glass better than anybody when it comes to offensive rebounding. L. Ellis, I think, has become. I don't even want to say more comfortable in his role because I think at the beginning of the year you hoped that somebody else was going to emerge as a secondary ball handler and that L needing to play 40 minutes a game with the ball in his hand for like 90% of that on offense was not going to to need to be a full season thing. And the reality is it has been. It's hard to... For me, it's hard to accurately judge L Ellis because he's asked to do so much and it's not fair to him and I think that he does the best that he can with the, the the hand that he's been dealt. But I would love to see LLs in a offense where you've got a traditional point guard. He's the two. He can make those types of plays on offense that 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 he's so good at making. I mean, he's a terrific finisher around the rim. He's really good on in transition. He's really good at when he gets a step on guys and he has a clear lane to the basket at making plays there. What he's not really good at is when capable defenses find ways to slow his 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 attack and he has to make a decision like that's where he gets where he struggles he's not a fantastic outside shooter he's a great he's a streaky shooter but in rhythm normal routine like he's not a, he's, he's just not a pure shooter but i think he could be a great two guard on a talented roster and that's not what he's what he's dealing with right now Texas says, did you all see Jim Beheim's recent post-game interview? The man just looks miserable and unhappy. I can't imagine he coaches more than two years, if that. Oh, Beheim's just, he's at war with the Syracuse media. Did you see the one yesterday, Patrick? No. So, he went off on a reporter, I think over the weekend, about somebody had asked him a question um, along the lines of, like, you guys had leads late, like, why can't you close games? I saw that, and he just like he walk he walks off. He's he just walks off the, the, the out of the press conference, and he's done. Scott Van Pelt actually led Sports Center with his interaction with the uh, with with a media member last night, where 
I don't even remember the, the question. We could play the clip if we wanted to. He's asked something about, I don't know, the, the state of the program or something general. And he basically like goes at it with the 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 guy asking the questions like, well, that's Syracuse for you. Like it was just it was the whole thing was unnecessary. Um, I think it was, it was it was the question was about being with Coach K gone, him being the class of the conference and all this stuff, and I guess his attitude. And he just he he mocks the reporter. He goes, hey, I mean, he's just being overly confrontational at this point. I used to think that he was like a a lovable curmudgeon. Had kind of an infectious personality. I kind of loved it, and now he's just—he's he's just kind—he's of, made the turn to. He seems miserable. Everyone around him seems miserable. Syracuse is not playing winning basketball anymore. They had a couple of impromptu, uh, like, like unexpected runs in the NCAA tournament when they weren't really that good. They just got hot at the right time, and I think that kind of saved his job. But this feels like the—this feels like near the end. If, if it's not at the end of this year, it'll be in the next two to three years. They almost lost to Kenny Payne. They they should have lost to Kenny Payne. They they should have lost to this team. We had them beat. They're not very good. Uh, any chance that they had of making the NCAA tournament, I think, probably fell by the wayside last night when they lost to Virginia. That was their one of their last big chances to get a, a resume victory. They're they're not good. They're thirteen and ten. They've lost three in a row. They the rest of their schedule is favorable, which is a good and a bad thing. It's it's good because you can rack up wins. It's bad because you need. Quad one wins and you don't have a whole lot of opportunities for that to happen. They're probably they're not going to go to the tournament. And for Bayheim, like this is what they didn't go last year. They didn't go. They, they did go in the, the the bubble year. They went to the the Sweet Sixteen. They were going to go. They weren't going to go in the COVID year because we were going to destroy them in the quarterfinals of the, the tournament that night. They had a one and done effort in 2019 as an eight seed. And then they had the, the big run in, in 2018 and 2017 and 2016, but they have been trending downwards for a while now. And I think that that's, it's a marriage that's probably coming to an end. I think their only way out is hiring Robert and I to coach their basketball team. And I or die, baby. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Last segment coming your way. We will look ahead to tonight's college basketball games. We'll take more of your questions on the text line at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 961, The If I was a pitcher and you walked up to the plate to this, I'd be intimidated. Especially if you're playing for Shawnee down thirteen to zero. <laughs> I wouldn't be. And I just and I just fanned your entire team for two straight innings. <laughs> you got to hit when you were pitching? Against Shawnee. Not you didn't get DH'd? 
Not against Sean. They weren't worried about the getting another Batman lineup against Shawnee. One of the things that I was annoyed about in in high school was, you know, I was a position player when I wasn't pitching, but when I did when I did pitch, I got DH for it. I'm like, well, this isn't this isn't fair. This is silly. If I'm if I'm hitting, if I'm one of our best hitters when I'm not pitching, then I should be able to hit when I'm pitching. But but what are you gonna do? Most of the time, we'll DH somebody else because we have a third baseman that's a pretty solid bat, and he pitches a lot. He's a top three arm, so we'll DH somebody else. How's the squad looking this year? Are we feeling good? I'm feeling pretty solid. We didn't graduate a single inning last year on the mound. That's good. Uh, we only graduated two two everyday starters, first baseman and second baseman. That's also good. Uh, and new, brand new coach too. That's I, right. I like him. I like I like the culture of the squad a lot more. Uh, I'm confident. We had a new coach my senior year. And we were building a solid culture. We had a good, we had a good year. I I feel, are we going to be able to compete with the Trinities and the X's of the world? Oh yeah. All right. I like that. I like the confidence. We, we play uh, that that day. We play Trinity. We play we play. It's a Saturday morning. We play a doubleheader against Trinity and Hazard. Ooh. I don't know much about Hazard Squad, but I think they're solid. All right. I'll take your word for it. Last segment here of the Tuesday edition of the Rutherford Show here on fourteen fifty the Big X. Text us at 502-414-1450. We are. It's Tabby Tuesday. We're getting loose. We're all over the place. Last night, we mentioned the the big Monday games. I, I put this out there already, but Syracuse did fall to Virginia by five. Texas, I was wrong about this one. Texas did beat Baylor, and then I was right about Texas Tech. When I, when I passed out in my like sickness haze, they were getting stomped by Iowa State. They came all the way back. They outscored them by 17 in the second half and then won in overtime. So they got their first win, which means... Louisville is now the only power conference team without a winning conference play. I think it was the largest comeback against the top 15 team over the last decade. Was it really? Something like that. I mean, Iowa State was killing them. I know that they were up by 24 at one point, I think, in the second half. It was a – I mean, I, I turned it back on to, to Baylor, Texas because I thought the game was over. But I was already – if Texas Tech had lost, I was ready to, like, set my mentions in flames. Every now and then you just want to see the world burn. And I was going to do the thing where I was like, now – Louisville and Texas Tech, the only two power conference teams without a win in league play, if only there was some way to determine which of these two teams is better. Because then you would have had a million Texas Tech fans and some Louisville fans being like, oh, I, they played you moron, 70-38, to 38, which is the joke, of course. But I didn't get a chance to do that because Texas Tech took out Iowa State last night to move to 1-8 in Big 12 play. Big 12, very, very good conference. All right, 502-414-1450. Texter says, Let's see if I can say this. Texas asked Patrick if Marty Polio is willing to join Trevor and he can use him as an example of the dangers of not paying attention in school. This is an opportunity for Marty. This is, you know, this is a, he could use Trevor to say, kids, if, you, if you're not going to pay attention, if you're not going to go to school, you may also have to spend Monday through Friday with Mike Rutherford from three to six every day. I believe he knows Trevor, and I don't. I don't think he is willing to do that. When we were on, when we were on seven ninety. I had this thing where, like, I would always say, when you were like, they couldn't beat, and you're thinking of like a school off the top of your head, like a, a bad school. And I would always say Doss High School. And Marty, you can confirm this. Apparently, he went to Doss, right? Uh, no, he was the principal. He's at the Doss. principal of Doss. That's what it was. I knew he, there was he, some relationship. He went there. to high school in Virginia because his dad was the coach at VCU. Gotcha. So he, one day we're on the air just talking, he just comes in, and unlike that studio, we had like, you know, mics, all the mics worked that were around me. 
So he just sits down next to me, just grabs a mic, and starts being like, I, I got to ask Rutherford a question now. What's your problem with Doss High School? <laughs> I went to this big thing, and so I had to start like consciously thinking of a different school after that because I realized I'd been unfair to the Dragons, who I love, and I would have to start like mixing it up a little bit. I would go, you know, they couldn't beat KCD. They couldn't beat Shawnee. They couldn't beat Valley. They couldn't beat whoever. I've heard you say I've heard you say Wagner and J Town in that same vein. Yeah, both other schools that Marty was a principal at. Well, I'm sorry, Marty. It's it's not personal. I no, promise. He might not have been the principal at Wagner. But he was worked at Wagner. Was the uh, worked at Shawnee too? You need to you need to start picking on the Brown School or something. Walden. Walden couldn't beat Walden. I used to always, when I, when I would use a college team, this, for whatever reason, the, the school that I always used that was my de facto go-to was always Jackson State. And then I, I feel like I can't use them now because Dion made them good. But they still aren't good at basketball. So they, they can they can work there. Texas says, does intern Patrick get hazard pay for descending into the cesspool of undiagnosed illnesses that is the Mike Rutherford show? For a youngster, he does a fine job hanging with the heavyweights. There you go. That's a, a solid compliment. I've been a little bit congested over the past few weeks. We need to. You don't get hazard that. pay. You don't get hazard pay though. Okay. We're not. We're not paying you anything. You do get paid though. I get paid whenever I'm the only producer here. You don't get paid when you're just interning it up. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been in here interning it up since I started even getting paid. <laughs> That's true. Well, since I sent in my W two. Yeah, you deserve to get paid. Texture says, uh, "Enya, one by one, should be Patrick's walk-up song." I don't even know. I think the only Enya song that I remember is the Sail Away song. Are you familiar with Enya, Patrick? She was a, a sensation know. in the nineties for a brief. It sounds period. like it sounds like one of those jokes that one of these D's nuts jokes. No, it it, it it does though. But Enya was she was Irish. She had a very specific sound. It was very, I don't know, whimsical, wispy. Like she had it was just it was very like, I don't know, like Disney meets pop music. Kind of like the the female I don't want to say Michael Bolton. She was just, it was it was very different. My parents were big into Enya. Orinoco Flow was a big song. But then I remember Sail Away. Sail Away, Sail Away. Maybe in the same song, actually. I think that is the same song. But anyways, you could use Enya if you want to. Texas, how would Pat, get a lot of Patrick questions here on the text line. Texas, how would Patrick handle a confrontation with Jim Beheim, like the one that happened with the Syracuse student reporter last night? If, if Jim Beheim, if you asked a question and Jim Beheim came at you and was like, you're a moron, what do you do? Uh, probably tell him he's old. Tell him Rick Pitino owns him. You go I'd back him. at him. I tell him, hey, that's why Rick Pitino owns you. I like that. Yeah, because Jim Bayham told him, what, your attitude really isn't good either. And he's like, your attitude isn't really good. Like, they, they went back and forth. He had, Pitino had a spat with a student reporter one time. And I can't remember who it was. He asked like a, because he was a, a reporter for the Cardinal, the Louisville Cardinal, the student newspaper. And he asked like a legitimate question. And it was one of those where Patino just didn't want to hear it from a kid. And he kind of went after him. And it was, the kid got a lot of attention for it. And I, I applauded it. But it was, I always feel, feel like it's just, it's crappy when these, especially like these legends, these, these people in positions of gigantic power, just make it personal with the, the student reporters, especially. Texas says, Patrick should just use take me out to the ball game. It'll be like having a seventh inning stretch multiple times per game. That's a horrible suggestion. Horrible. Horrible. God awful. Uh, Texas says, let the young intern know that he's got a good new coach, even better person. I played with him as a senior when he was a junior regional runner-up at sales in 2010, and we remain friends today. God, that makes me feel old. Like, 
your coach is like seven years younger than me. Yeah, our coach is. Uh, he's the oldest coach on our staff too. He's like twenty nine. Is he really? Yeah. Isn't it weird? Like, so you'll have this this one day. Like, where when you were a kid playing sports, like you always like all of your coaches, all the adult figures in life, they're this like indistinguishable age. But you just they're just old. Like, like you know. You yeah. feel like there's something like between 40 and 50. And then you get older and you realize like some of these guys were like 25 that were coaching your, your basketball teams and stuff. Yeah, like the, uh, and there's like the other ones, there's two of them, the two JV coaches graduated from Spalding like last year. That's, yeah. And like they were talking about like Call of Duty and like uh, uh, they play Call of Duty together every night. And I'm like, these guys are actually young. We had our coaching staff my, my senior year because we had a new coach. Um, Steve Tompkins, who recently just passed, which was awful. But our coaching staff, we had the most varying ages. We had like one assistant who I think was like like twenty eight. He was we called him Hollywood. He wore like flashy clothes and stuff. And then we had one assistant who I think was like ninety three. He was just very very old, very old, a classic old guy. And then we had another one that was like probably in late thirties, early forties. Yeah, last year we had like we had one assistant that was like had gray hair and just like mowed the lawn and would always yell at us and never really did anything baseball instructive. Love those guys. Those then, are my favorite guys. And then we had, like, the catcher's coach who was also, I think, over six. He was a grandpa. We talked about his grandkids. And he was, like, he would just, like, he was just the conditioning coach pretty much. He would just run us all the time. And, like, our head coach was, like, probably like 40-something. And then now our oldest coach is our head coach who's 29. And our second oldest coach is 28. He was talking about how he plays Fortnite the other day. Brave New World. Sales had some squads when I was playing. They went, they, I think they went to the state tournament in 2001 when I was a sophomore. I think they won the sixth last year. Did they? They, they always they, they always had good teams. I think they won the sixth. We always go, we, we're always like 5-0 and oh against all the six region teams on our schedule, but neither here nor there. Texas, all Mike can say is, good Lord, I hope you're recording some sound bites from this year. I would like to have a... It would be a nice thing to have like a splice up of all my good lords from this year, where you're just like every time I read a stat, I'm just like, good lord. Or, this is Louisville. This is this is Louisville. This is yeah. I mean, there are several repeated sayings that have been happening since November that you could make a solid like thirty minute cut of. I think. Or I feel like I shouldn't have to say this. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say it for the millionth time. Texas says we can all agree that KP needs to go back to his Star Trek outfit and add the Josh Pastner COVID mask to his ensemble. There is, however, a lot of heated debate on whether or not he should also wear a cape and skates. Please discuss. Is there any doubt that we're, we're back to the Star Trek outfit tomorrow night? Because he only people were like, well, why is he dressing up now? They only did it for the coaches versus cancer week where all coaches wear the sneakers and they wear the suit tie, but the, the, the suit coat, but not the tie. It, it's like a that's that's what you wear for coaches versus cancer week. So that's the only reason why we saw KP in a jacket twice last week. I'm assuming he goes back to the Star Trek outfit tomorrow. The COVID mask would be would be great. I would like that. As far as a cape and, and skates, probably not happening. But we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see the Star Trek outfit tomorrow. I'm telling you the the Fig Newton sticker over the COVID mask. <laughs> I, don't know why, I don't know why you're on that. The sticker's dangerous and inconvenient, but man, I do love Fig Newtons. Um, I have a friend whose brother's a firefighter, and he put a Fig Newton sticker over his fire mask. It seems like an. It seems dangerous. It's dangerous and inconvenient, but man, I love Fig Newtons. Texas says, if you and Patrick were Teo sports stars, football and baseball, what school would you pick? Not named U of L. I don't know what what Teo means. I don't know if that's a. Let's let's just say sports stars. If you could go play football or baseball, 
at any school, but it has to be somebody besides U of L. Where are you going? Texas. For for which sport? Uh, aren't they good at both? They're good at both. They're good at both, but you you can pick different schools for different sports if you Ooh. want to. Baseball, Texas. Okay. Football. USC. I like that. I like that pick. Football, I always, for some reason, I always, growing up, thought Michigan was cool. I think I'd, I think I'd want to play football in Michigan. Baseball, more of a recent thing. Okay, he's, he's, he's corrected his text. It was two-way sports stars. Texas. Yeah, if, okay, if you could go to one school for just both schools, for both. Okay, that's that's a little bit tougher. I was going to say Michigan for football, Vandy for baseball, just because they kind of have it going. I think Cohen seems like a good dude. I think Texas or Tennessee for if, for, if you're two-way. Okay, both, oh man, I'd probably go somewhere out west. I think USC seems like a good good pick. UCLA was really good. Uh, Until they're in the Big Ten and you're traveling. I know, I know. hour flights both ways. It's a tough question. I'm going UCLA. That's my pick. That's what I'm going with. Texas, I watched Texas last night, and I couldn't believe how active their assistants were on the bench. Manning and Jameson just sit over there doing nothing all game. It's especially impressive when you take into account that their head coach is gone. Like, Ronnie Terry, who I've said before, I'll say it again. I think he gets the job. At the end of the day, I think... Texas, they played Saturday than Monday? Yeah, they do the... We we do that too when we're we're good enough to be on Big Monday, which is, I think, one time this year. But they, yeah, a lot of times you have that Saturday-Monday, which coaches in the Big 12 and the, the, the ACC just hate. But I think that they're going to end up giving... I think he's going to earn the job. I think they'll be put in a position where they can't get rid of him um, and they're they're playing really well right now. But they're like their bench is. Watch any big game. Watch any game featuring teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament, and watch how active their benches are. Not just the coaches, but the players are into every play. They're up for the entire game. It's just I've said I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's like watching a different sport, and then you you flip over and watch us. It's just it could not be more different. And, and it's it's got to change. I'm stating the obvious, I know, but it's got to change. Texas says the starting lineup for the rest of the year should be Fabio, L, Mike James, BHH if he returns, and then a Corafor. But I fear BHH is shut down for the rest of the year, which is why we fast-paced a Corafor here to the States. So put JJ in place of BHH if he's not playing. I'd have no problem with that. I would like to see how L would play off the ball for an entire game. I've got doubts about Fabio's ability to to run the show for a full 40 minutes or for a full 30, 35 minutes. But at this point, I'm willing to, to give it a shot. Again, like, 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 what do you have to lose? You're 2-19. and 19. Start Zan at the point. Start start whoever. Like, like, mix it up a little bit. Whatever we've been doing for the last three months hasn't been working. You've got a month and, and a week left. Just throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. Texture says... I don't know what that means. Texas says, this is Chris Cobb, a Cole JCPS school board member. Your go-to phrase should be, they couldn't beat a team coached by Marty Polio. He was, uh, he's 0-1 as a head coach in college in D1 college basketball. How'd that happen? Uh, he was an assistant at EKU briefly, and their head coach was ejected and suspended. And, and he didn't he, win a game? He had to coach, he had to coach a game. Chris Cole, Chris Cole's a big Louisville guy, I think. He is. Yeah. He is. I didn't realize Marty had a had a head coaching record at the college level. Yep. Well, that's one fewer loss than I have, so suck it, Marty. EKU. 
Still not a legend. Texas, how is Charleston 20 and 2 with mid-major players and Louisville is 2 and 20 with supposedly high major players? I mean, I don't I, it's Charleston's good. FAU's good. Did you see the 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 this speaking of things that we need to be brought up earlier? Did you see what the FAU fans did to the poor Western Kentucky players? I say poor Western Kentucky players, there's nothing poor about it. Did you see the, the prank that they no. unveiled? So FAU hosted Western Kentucky on Saturday. And apparently, this is gonna shock a lot of people listening. Rick Stansberry teams maybe not the most disciplined in the world. So you had two players that the night before the game were on, I guess, Tinder or one of these these matching sites that are trying to get a little bit of late night fun. As I would do if I was in Boca Raton and a high level college athlete. I guess. I mean this is it's late. And so these girls who are FAU fans, they they prank these 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 guys. As I would do if I was a girl in Boca Raton. They like one of them is is Jarius, uh, I can't remember his last name, who's, who's good. The other player's name was Brandon, who I don't think plays very much. But basically, like, the, like I mean, the messages are embarrassing. The guy's like, give me 30 minutes to get ready or something. He's like, he's like, he's like I'm focused on the game, but I'm more focused on you right now. He's like, get me right for the game or something like that. So they, this player is just waiting, I guess, in the like pickup area outside of one of the dormitories in the, FAU. The agreed meeting location. The agreed meeting, and they drive, and they're like, I thought you needed 30 minutes. Like, they're shouting at him. And right away, you can just tell, like, he's like, oh, bleep. Like, I screwed up. So they print out these DMs from the players and bring them, like, put them all on signs and bring them to the game on Saturday night. It's just, it's a bad look for everybody. I mean, is there no, who's not watching these kids? Like, they're, they're basically like free reign. I think we saw how dangerous this is with the New Mexico, New Mexico State stuff. Uh, like, wh- wh- where's the bed check? Wh- wh- who's the coach who's in charge like of making somebody, sure these kids Sounds like somebody hotels? should take their phones. Good lord. Probably there was a college basketball coach that was just taking the players' phones the night before games. Should happen. Should happen. It was it was bad. It was embarrassing, but it was also I couldn't say it was was not funny. FAU student section is relentless. You talk about Charleston being twenty and, and two. FAU is like twenty two and one. They're they're very good. I think it's weird the college of Charleston's D one and the University of Charleston's D two. It is strange. Which now I think College of Charleston now just goes by Charleston. They're one of those schools that wants to get rid of the the added words, but people don't pay attention to it it's always going to be coc texas mm-hmm. i think if you uh if you have to use the nose picking i think you have to use the nose picking thing on Bayham if you're going back and forth with him yeah that would be that's probably the way texas says patino still hates male cheerleaders he does texas imagine kp skating over to a ref with his cape flying <laughs> flying behind him it would just demand respect the cape and the skates i mean just like with the starting lineup conversation, can't hurt to try, right? We've got two wins. Why not go with something new, different look? Tell yourself, what about those weekly podcasts? I know, I know, we we always promise weekly pod. Here's the thing: if the team were playing halfway decent, we could give you weekly podcasts. We would we'd make it happen. The team. Do you want us to hear us say the same stuff every single week for an hour? I've been checking for the new episode every time. I, new Year, same vibe. And I know. It's still the I same know. Vibe. I know. I know. We we were trying to do it Friday. Danny had to postpone. We we're supposed to do it yesterday. I had stuff here at work, and then like in between then, like Danny's, Danny's job's picked up. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. He's for a while there. I thought he wasn't actually working, but now he's actually doing stuff. And then me getting sick over the summer kind of threw a wrench into our our weekly podcast plans, uh, and still kind of does, but. We're going to get one this week at some point. His boss is in town. He's trying to impress him this week. I don't know what's going on there, but we'll we'll make one happen this week. 
Texture says, uh, kids would be saying, you're wrong, prove him wrong, and Trevor would still say, how am I wrong, in a very, who's on first, back and forth. That's probably how it's going to go when he meets with these kids. Anytime I'm explaining to Trevor something that he doesn't get, and he, I can still tell he doesn't get it, he'll just go, oh, I get it. And I'll be like, really? And I'll be like, you think I, and then I'll use some profanities. He usually just says, like, that's dumb, which when... When Trevor asks like for an explainer on something or asks a question, it's it reminds me of every time that I'm watching football and Mary will ask me like to clarify a rule. And I'm like, do you really want to know? Because it's going to take a lot of time for me to explain. You don't really care. I know you don't. And when I finish, you're just going to say that's dumb. It, like this is it, It's a fruitless exercise for both of us. Why don't we just like, – she'll look up and she'll be like, well, what just happened? And I'm like, do you really do – you, do you care that much? Do you, do you want me to dive into this? Because I'm just going to talk about it. You're going to ask why the rule is the way that it is. I'm and I'm going to say it just is. That's how it was written years ago. And you're going to say that's dumb. And that's how the conversation is going to end. It's very much like talking to Trevor with anything. Texas says the Kate and uh, this Kate and skates need some help. Texas says I just laughed way too hard at the visual of KP skating over to a ref. Can you even do that? Can, can you have skates? There's, there's got to be a rule against it. There's no way there's a rule against skates. There's got to be a rule. There's no way. If not, then maybe we can make that happen. Uh, tonight, college basketball, real quickly. A lot of top 25 teams playing. Not a lot of top 25 teams playing uh, one another. The big game of the night. And I don't know why it's on ESPN+. Plus. And the Big 12 Network. And the Big 12 Network. Yep. 8 o'clock, number 7 Kansas State on the road taking on number 8 Kansas. They want you to buy ESPN+. Plus. I mean, that's that's outrageous. Uh, the two teams have already met once this year with K-State pulling off a very impressive 83-82 overtime victory, one of the best games of the year. Patrick, does Kansas get their revenge tonight over their hated in-state rivals? They do. Give me a score. What's the spread? Kansas by 8.5. Kansas by, they don't cover that. It's Kansas 78, Kansas State 73. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Kansas wins but doesn't cover. I'm going to say Kansas 79. Kansas State 73. Just six points. You said five. We're you one just off. put one point on the mind. That's what I do. Uh, we have, what do we have on the Big X tonight? We got high school basketball? I, I think San X Cal. I believe, I think Gary's coming in to do the board for that. We never know for sure. We probably have San X versus Cal tonight. Whatever it is, keep it locked right here on 1450 The Big X. Enjoy your Tuesday nights. We'll see you guys right back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. This party care, this whisper was my walk-up song. Yeah.